Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. Yeah. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. Welcome to episode 80 of the Send the Edge podcast. I'm Justice Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at Jumosk, J U M O S Q. I'm here with my co host, uh, Charles McDonald. I forgot your name. Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at and we're here with a very special guest, Bo Jackson, Eric Stoner. Say what's up to the people, Bo. How we doing, guys? What's up to the people? We're doing good. We've, uh, I think we've all done a little growing up since the last time you were on. It's been, uh, it's been quite the year for the three of us. It has been. You guys are uh, doing big things in the football media world now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's been a little journey this summer. Uh, but how's life, Eric? How's life? Life is good. Um, my son is a year old and has learned how to curse already. Uh, second baby is going to be here in 13 weeks. So, yeah, man, we're right. coming down to the we're coming down to the nitty gritty now. That baby is going to come out right in time for a heartbreaking Jaguars playoff loss. Dude, I'm already I'm already so concerned with how much money I have tied up in the Blake Bortles going into the season. <laughs> Are you it's serious? Disgusting. Yeah. Like like yeah. what bets do you have? Um, I took them to, I took them the giant over the giants this weekend. I have a bet on them for the super bowl. And then, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Subtle, subtle, uh, plus 1600, man. I had to take it. And then, uh, just various like little player props for the Jags. Like I, I have some Leonard Fournette futures too, but just too much money tied up in Jacksonville already to where I don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing comfortable about being a Jaguars fan, I feel like. No, there's not. Uh, but we are here to preview week one and do picks. Justice was saying like before, he can't do picks. You you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Quant Edge, go on it. Use the promo code JUSTICE. You'll get 10% off uh, the website for the first month. Um, it's got all sorts of gambling tools, all sorts of gambling content. You can find my picks there. Um, but technically, because my stuff is behind a paywall, they told me they will revoke uh, they will revoke uh, checks basically if I talk about picks on here. At least picks against the spread. So uh, we're going to protect the bag, and we're going to do that. I'm going to talk about these games. I'm just not going to outright make a pick against the spread, and at least lines that don't move. So that's what we're going to. Yeah, uh, we're all always about protecting the bag. So we will be sure to keep justice on track there, or if not. Then he that's his own fault. If uh, not, then don't snitch. <laughs> I guess I just I, know, so. I guess I just I guess I just won't upload this and we'll die in the darkness and I'll just pretend that I'm sitting on it like usual. Hey, your uh, bosses will never know if nobody ever t- if nobody tells them. That's a good point. Uh, but we're here to preview week one. Uh, we're just gonna run through the slate. Uh, we're probably gonna hit on you know the Khalil Mack news, Le'Veon Bell, maybe Odell's extension. Uh, so, just do you have a list of games for week one? 
Yeah, I'm just gonna use the stuff on from Bet Online. Um, I know Eric uses it. It's probably the book I use the most. If they're not paying us or anything. Use it if you want to. Don't if you don't. But we're just gonna use lines off of that. So the opening game, uh, Charles's Atlanta Falcons traveling to the to uh, Philadelphia to go against the Super Bowl champions, and the Eagles are one and a half point favorites. What do we think about this? Uh, uh, I I took it when they were. What what was it when Philly was? I think, I think they, it, like it opened at three and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it at two and a half, yeah. and I took Atlanta. Yeah, it was like four, three and a half, depending uh, on your book when it opened, and then like even up until because I was talking about this game with you um, like two days ago, and it was still like two, two and a half, depending on the book. So it's it's dropping dramatically. Yeah, I guess the public likes Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know why. I well, I mean, I, I guess I mean I think the Falcons are really good this year. I think they're super talented, but I don't know. Like the the, the matchup where you have the Philly or the, I'll say the Phillies. Jesus Christ, uh, the Eagles' offensive line going against the Falcons' defensive line kind of scares me a little bit as a Falcons fan. I just think that they can, can control a game that way almost, like like they did in the uh, in the playoff game back in January. I, I think it's going to look pretty similar to that, where it's just kind of a sloppy, ugly game where both defenses uh, keep, you know, keep, keep their teams in the game. And I, I think you look at the edge that Philly's offensive line has against the Falcons' defensive line. Uh, you know, it, it's, just, it's just a pretty big mismatch there. I mean, you can go back and watch Lane Johnson just play with Vic Beasley for four quarters in that game, and it was not even a true test. So, I mean, the only the only real way I, I think the Falcons are going to come out and win this is if Nick Foles just puts up a stinker. But he put up a stinker last time they played, and, you know, Keanu Neal knee-balled that ball right into the air, and Torrey Smith caught it, and, you know, just some more Falcons should happen, and they lost that game. So I'm just going to stick with the trench matchup, which favors the Eagles, I think, and, and take the Eagles minus one and a half. Yeah, see, I'm taking Atlanta I'm basically for all the reasons that you just stated where the la- last time the game was basically like a 50-50 game that came down to a couple plays. And I'm just kind of counting on Atlanta this time around because it's a game that doesn't matter. And I don't think that Nick <laughs> Foles is going to – I don't think that – basically, I don't think that Nick, Fo- like, Nick Foles is going to come back down to earth. He already right. Doesn't he already have a messed up shoulder too? Uh, he did get hurt versus the Patriots game. Former Falcon, Adrian Claiborne just – like beat the shit out of him on a on a sack. I don't know if he's still I don't know if he's still dinged up though, but he's been fucking horrible this preseason. Yeah, he, he been was he was really he was bad. listed as like questionable on on uh, a couple game league sites, but he's definitely playing. They're not going to start whatever the hell his name is that dude from Indiana. Nate, Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld. Nate Stunkfeld more like it, dude. That he's not very good. Oh, but good this one. is what I was going to say about about Foles, right? Do you know so like I wrote that piece for Optimum Scouting about, like, what the definition of, like, scoring range actually is, right? And the majority of NFL tu- – the majority of NFL touchdowns are scored with, uh, inside the eight. Um, when you look at what Nick Foles did in the playoffs, he really only hit deep passes for touchdowns. He only threw two touchdown passes in that entire playoff run, and they scored, like, 100 points. That is just, like, super unsustainable. You even saw in the Super Bowl where they're in the red zone inside scoring range – and they had him catch a touchdown pass because he's literally like, you do not want the ball in Foles' hands in scoring range. Um, I think this is particularly a bad matchup against Atlanta, right? Because 
I mean, we've ran the numbers on this, Chuck. When I, I think we have this for, for the update, if you want to go look back at last year's stats. Um, Atlanta really doesn't give up big plays like that. And that's no. basically how Philadelphia survived. So you kind of have, like, the one good thing that Philadelphia can do with Nick Foles in terms of scoring is, like, Atlanta's strength. And like, like both of you mentioned, you know, last year's game was pretty close. Like, if one ball doesn't go off Keanu O'Neal's Keanu knee, you know, in a wrong way, I mean, if, if he just knocks that ball down, they probably win the game. Probably not, you know, right? Like we're not even having this this like conversation. Think, just at think all. of how different around the narrative around the Philadelphia Eagles period would be if he caught that. Right, pass. and when we look, when when we look about, so like Carson Wentz legitimately had a great year in a way that is not like the numbers can't really be fudged, right? Like third right. and long can't really be fudged. Third down can't really be fudged. Um, Carson Wentz matters. He was talented. And when you see this line drop only like, you know, two and a half points, you really have to start questioning, you know, if, if that's really enough. You know what I mean? Um, I agree. When you, look at other, when you look at other quarterbacks, you could see, you know, a six-point line drop, you know, something like that. So if we're saying, you know, this line is accounting Nick Foles for being, you know, what amounts to being an above-average quarterback, to what extent are we paying a tax on a ring, right? Yeah, that's a great – that's actually – Putting a tax on a ring, um, that's actually a great metaphor for it. Because that's basically what you're doing if you take Philly. Yeah. Like Charles. Dumbass. He's trying to reverse jinx this. I, I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got to stay consistent because I picked I, – I got to stay consistent because I picked the, uh, the Eagles to win for our SB Nation picks. Like what kind of like cheap dumbass do I look like picking the Falcons plus one? Like I'll just go you with could, it. You could – Plus one and a half, you could say that they're going to win by one point exactly. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to Half that. points matter. But, uh, Justice, do you ever look, did you ever look at uh, Bill C., Bill Connolly's, uh, the stats that he did for the SB Nation NFL preview? Yeah, the stuff that he did when he, he basically read, read, read a uh, Bill Walsh book and then was like, here's how you apply NFL stats and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I saw the little matchup tool that you tweeted out and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. I think that even had... Explosive plays on it, and I yeah, had like I'm, Atlanta ranking super high. So. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So Atlanta was Atlanta's defense was seventh in big play rate. In a, they were second in marginal explosiveness, which I don't really know what that means. But uh, it, it's it's pretty much like based. It on sounds where, good. It, it's ba- it's pretty much like it's based on where you are in the field, and you know what constitutes an explosive play, like wherever you're on the field. I don't know. And then they were third in points per scoring opportunity. So, you know, they were pretty much a bend don't break defense. I think they showed that last year where they kind of got gashed between the twenties in that game, and then you know stiffened up in the red zone. But uh, I don't know. Like they're they're often divine against. You know, Vic didn't play well against them last year. Then Pack them into a second year and Brooks Reed, like that's just not really enough to scare them off the edge. Even if I do like what they have on the interior with uh with Grady Jarrett and Co. So I'm gonna take the Eagles. Uh what's the next game? We can go uh we can go right into the Le'Veon Bell stuff with the Steelers at Cleveland. The Steelers are three and a half point favorites on the road. That's a morning game. Uh thoughts. What didn't this line move? It, it has was moved significantly. <laughs> it was like minus six. Yeah, it's dropped like two and a half points for Le'Veon Bell, basically. So, mm. uh, 
The, I, are we sure the Browns are even good? Like, I, they're obviously better than last year. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, let me rephrase that. Okay, we know the Browns aren't good. But, you know, it, it just... I don't know what I'm going with here. This, I, I think the Steelers are going to shit on them, honestly. I, I, like, I, I think that Ben Roethlisberger is kind of a field day against that uh, secondary. Okay, so I am not advocating for the Cleveland Browns whatsoever here, but I guess here would be the the counterpoints or the reasons why this line has gotten to where it is. In two meetings between the two teams last year, these teams played on opening day last year. Basically, the difference was between Cleveland sweeping Pittsburgh was a couple of Deshaun Kaiser picks in the red zone and a Corey Coleman drop. Um... I mean, we could play that they, game all they, year. But they were playing their backups. Uh, in Kaiser interceptions. They were playing That's, their backups in the second game, though. That is true. That is true. But, I mean, even the first game was close. Pittsburgh on the road in 1 o'clock games is um, mediocre at best. They can't stop the run. And I people are probably assuming that Carlos Hyde and uh, Terod Taylor are you know, will enhance that rushing game and have it be better than it was last year. And then you have, I mean, I'm sure that the hard, like hard knocks plays a factor in this too. Um, but yeah, I'm not, advo- I'm not advocating betting on the Browns, but like I said, those would be uh, narrative reasons, I suppose, why this line has gotten to where it is. And I will say, so this was around six-ish, right, before. I would say that that's probably too high, just from a numbers perspective. Um, it's probably dropped down to something that is more reasonable, no matter which way you think about this. Um, but six on the road means 12 at home, right? Right. And I'm not sure these Steelers without Bell, you know, with a new play caller who you said basically like that he hasn't called – their offensive coordinator hasn't called a play since uh, – He was D'Angelo uh, Williams' <laughs> offensive coordinator at Memphis in yeah. 2005 and 2006. What? Right. So I, I, yeah. think, I, think, I think 12 points, you know, would have – been too high now you know it'd be nine and a half which i think is more reasonable um so i don't know i don't know what to think about this game but it's something to highlight if nothing else because this has you know swung dramatically let's talk about the more interesting whoops you just heard the loser game show sound that means something went horribly wrong while you were recording but i don't know how to fix it and i'm not going to learn so we're going to use this instead we're right back. All right, so Pittsburgh season-long outlook, because that's probably more interesting than this particular week one matchup against Cleveland. Um, with the news that Bell is going out, he's probably going to hold out for a significant portion of the season. Um, Justice, you already you guys talked about on your uh, preview episode about them being a regression team. Right. Uh, how, how, like, really, how do we really feel, how confident do we feel about this team winning the AFC North? hitting their over total what's their over under right now nine and a half ten and a half nine and a half right i i think yeah i think it's like ten and a half because i had them at nine and a half but i found them as a value for most of this most of this season or off season so i looked today um the value to bet the under on them is crap it's like minus 150 but if you really like on bet online, if you want to do just like uh, playoff predictions, if you just want to make a straight bet for them to miss the playoffs, it's plus three ten. Yeah, see, that's 
The ballsy move, because you talked about that. And I think, like, the AFC is so weak that I'm sure that they're going to get a wild card. But I think we've talked about this a lot recently when we're talking about – you've basically convinced me about, like, Cincinnati. You know, I had thought about Baltimore and Cleveland, you know, before we started talking about Cincinnati. Like, just just another non-Pittsburgh team to win the AFC North. You know, I, I, I'm kind of feeling confident in that, honestly, just the way that things are shaking out and the fact that they were a, regress- a regression team – Really, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was something like thirteen and three, but in all honesty, they were closer to like a nine and seventeen in terms of talent than they were a thirteen and three team. They just got lucky in a bunch of close games, um, and we've seen this over and over. I mean, last year it was what the Dolphins, the Cowboys, the Giants, uh, Houston. I'm forgetting. There's another team, uh, the Raiders. Every single year, you can count on the teams that win a bunch of close games just kind of falling off the face of the earth the next year. And everyone expects Pittsburgh to be the second best team in the AFC behind New England and be able to like basically just walk into a two seed in that in that conference. But I'm not totally sure that they're going to win the division just based off of you know their schedule. They play like the NFC South too, right? So they play the one seeds. They play they the have NFC a very South. T- they got a tough schedule. Yeah, they don't they don't really have you know the easy games in the AFC North aren't as easy as they used to be. So they have a lot of things working against them, even if, you you know, you do want to buy into the brand of, like, Ben Roethlisberger is, like, one of two significant quarterbacks in the AFC, so. Yeah, that's true. I, I think, you know, just as far as this game goes, I just, I think that, you know, I, I think Big Ben's to come out and shred them because as much fun as we've made of Greg, William, of Greg Williams this offseason, we can't go back and trust him now. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm perfectly fine. Best, like, best defense in the preseason, man. Best defense in the preseason. Go check the facts. Go look at their points Points allowed. Come get some, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, are, are any of us going to trust uh, Hugh Jackson in Cleveland in week one? No. I'm fine being a week late on them. Yeah, same. That's, that's what I told you yep. about this. I'm, like, totally I'm totally cool with that. Able- I'm cool with being a week late on Cleveland. I'll be fine. I've lost so much fucking money on them. The way to do it, honestly, every single time, every Hugh Jackson game is literally the the first half bet on Cleveland, the second half fade them. Like that has been like a, the moneyest bet in sports, basically. Oh yeah. Since Hugh Jackson's taken over the team, don't forget this. Yep, and I'm sure that's going to be the case come uh, Sunday against the Steelers. So I, I, we're both on. I'm on Steelers minus three and a half, just because I'm not trusting the Browns. Fuck them until they earn the trust. Uh, what's the next game? San Francisco at Minnesota. Minnesota is a six point favorite. It's a one o'clock game. Yep, one o'clock. One o'clock. Wow, San Francisco starting on the road at ten a.m. their time. What's the spread? Six. Oh, you already said that. You know yours. God <laughs> damn, we are rusty as hell. Uh. Miss, damn, but that's a lot of points, though. I, it's it's risen. I think it was like three and a half or like four, you know, when they opened in April. Yeah, I, I like Minnesota. Four sounds like it would be about right. I, I think Minnesota's going to win that game, but six is a lot of points, especially against a team like the 49ers. Like, they have their quarterback. They have offensive line – or off, not offensive line, but like an offensive coach that knows how to, you know, get guys open, even against a, a star-studded defense like the Vikings – and you know, I mean, we saw that against Jacksonville. How different is this than Jacksonville game? Right, and they in terms of talent on the defensive side, and they weren't even at like full capacity there in, in terms of personnel. And now you get you know Wesley Rich, Richburg in center and Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. 
they've upgraded their guard spot. You know, Josh Garnett is playing well, but Mike Person, you know, Mike Person, he he used to play for Shanahan with the Falcons. He's still playing well too. So, I don't know. You know, I I, I like I said, I like the Vikings to win this game, but I just think the Forty Nine ers gonna be frisky enough to keep it close, even if it's like a backdoor cover at the end. So, I'm gonna take the Forty Nine ers plus six, and also. I just I just don't know if I trust Kirk yet. You know, he he's about to play behind the worst offensive line he's ever had in his career, so that's going to be a pretty big test for him too. Eric, you want to give off the uh, problematic Minnesota offensive line take? Um, their offensive line is already bad, and their coach died right before the season started, and oh, they're down oh, dudes. Oh. <laughs> so that's not an ideal situation to be heading into the season with. Um, this game though, I don't have a particularly good feel for, uh, I'll quote a stat that Evan Silva gave off on his road to fantasy football key road to fantasy football feast podcast. Um, I think the Vikings over their last, I forget however many it was 16 home games are giving up like 13.7 points per game, which is insane. not a lot. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Pretty good. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> San Francisco offense, I mean, they moved the ball a ton last year, but struggled to actually score points. I could kind of see that happening again in this game. But really, I mean, I don't have a good feel for this game particularly either way. Uh, this is a stay away for me. Um, I will say the one thing that I will say as, like, someone who's not really a big fan of Kirk Cousins' game um, after watching this preseason, um, or, like, not, not being a fan of his game entering this preseason, but watching him this preseason, right? It seems like Filippo, their offensive coordinator, who's coming from Philadelphia, I think he was their quarterback's coach, I want to say, um, is really, like, installing RPOs, like, at the goal line, which I think is really important for making, like, clear reads for Kirk Cousins. Because if you look at what he's done in scoring range, basically, Kirk Cousins, since he's taken over as a starter, has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the red zone. And just making super clear reads with basically, you know, a cheat code that most NFL teams aren't using that they probably should be using in RPOs, second-level RPOs, um, will definitely help him moving forward. So a devil's advocate, I don't know how bad Kirk Cousins is now because he was, you know, one of the best quarterbacks between the 20s. Basically over the last three years, his issue was just in scoring range. And now if RPOs help him and basically give him training wheels in scoring range, I don't know, man, might might be decent. Could probably put up some stats again. So, Yeah, I do think that one thing that will help him this year is, or not this year, but in this game is, yeah, I, I don't really know as of now. I, I guess the, the four is Buckner, but how many of those 49ers are really scaring you when it comes to pass rush? Like, yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I guess we Buckner, got Eric back. Eric, I'm still praying, hoping and praying and crossing my fingers because Eric was doing decent before he ended up getting hurt. So yeah, I'm hoping he that he does decent. But Solomon Thomas looks like a 22-year-old project who used to play you know, three tech. So, right. And you know, it's funny because people want him to go back to three tech still. I'm like, he's 270 pounds. Like, <laughs> like he'll get he can't play there, he's man. very, he's very light and very young. I, I was talking with Eric about this. I think this week where I was like, don't expect anything from someone under 23 years old. And he was no, just like, never in life, in life, do not expect anything. <laughs> not just football players, just in general, man, people under, under 23, like anything that you get from them is just, Bonus cherry, yeah. As you know, we're all former twenty-three-year-olds. I, I think it's safe to say we were shitheads. You know, uh, up until you start. I feel like twenty-four is when people start to get their life together a little bit, just because you're tired. 
<laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, 49ers plus six. What do you got, Eric? I mean, like I said, this is probably a stay away for me, but I'll t- Minnesota at home, that defense is really, really good. So six is a lot, but. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Okay, so let's do this. The over-under is 46. That's pretty high. Yeah, I would take the under on that. Yeah, I would take the under, too. All right, there there we go. We found That's a good bet for that one. All right, so next game, Cincinnati at Indianapolis. The Colts are three-point favorites. Oh, me. Eric Scott takes. Yeah, how much time do we need to spend on this? Because the Bengals are the easy bet here. Dude, I don't I don't understand this line. I don't understand Indianapolis's over-under being at seven. Um, I don't understand any fantasy hype whatsoever for T.Y. Hilton or Andrew Luck. Um, I think that he's going to, like, I don't know how you can expect him to be anything more than post-injury Chad Pennington at this point. Like, <laughs> the, dude, the, the dude literally said that he was getting ready to quit football and his shoulder, like, didn't work for two years. He still probably had, like, we haven't seen him throw a pass over 12 yards, I think, in the preseason. <laughs> Yeah, he had so, he had a passer rating in the seventies, like mid seventies, which is, I mean, Alex Smith had finished the year with a passer rating at hundred last year. So the offense, the offensive line still isn't good, even though they've invested there. Like the well, Muhort retired, Muhort that, retired, Muhort retired. The Alabama center is honestly not that good. He's not. And then the Notre Dame guy, he's he looks like a rookie that's going to get ragdolled. Like he might be good down the line, but. He's he's an under twenty three offensive lineman. Like, what do you what do you expect? His first game like, against Geno Atkins. Yeah, good <laughs> luck, man. Um, I, I I think that Jacoby Brissett will end up starting games at some point this year. <laughs> I think I think that I I honestly do. Like, I think that Andrew Luck will get hurt again at some point. Um, I wouldn't expect. I think their defense they have, they have the worst. Like, I think their roster is worse than the Bills, and they're counting on a guy that hasn't thrown the ball in two years to kind of magically make everything better. Like, I hate everything about this team. I will bet against them every week. I have their under. Um, I don't understand how they're favored by three against a, a team that I honestly – like, Cincinnati is a huge bounce-back team for me. Like, their defense is legit good. Yeah. You know what you're getting from them on offense, and the offensive line will be better. Um, it, it honestly, it can't get worse than it was last year. So they're, they're like, they're the consummate, like you just know what you're getting with them each and every week. You know what I mean? And that's kind of good enough for me where I think that they can be a six seed or better in the AFC. No, so do you know, how, do you know how much, uh, uh, let me talk about, let me, let me talk my shit right now. Cause okay. we're talking about Andrew Lux. I was about, and to, make a, I was about to make a small joke about Eric being a, a Jags fan and hating the cold since, uh, he was born. So that's not a bias take. <laughs> All right. Um, cap space. Do you know how much cap space Indianapolis is sitting on right now? Uh, can I make, can I guess over under? Sure. Uh, 27. Uh, under. Over. They have $50 million of cap space that they're not using right now. This team is not legitimately trying to compete this very soon. No. Yeah. So I I really like they're they're playing at like like they're like let's terms, not for, let's not forget money, either they're playing at seventy five percent you know what let's I mean? not forget like, either they hired a guy to be a coach and he put a staff together and then he left them and they're still and, there and all the assistant coaches are still there and they just had to hire like a new guy 
yeah. to be the yeah. head coach. Yeah, because yeah, McDaniels, he, he already pretty much had almost his entire defensive staff in place. And then he, he bailed, but all those guys had already signed their contracts, uh, you know, which, which got them stuck there. But Frank Reich, like, have, Eric, how much have you watched the Colts in the preseason? Like, have you caught a game? I watched their starters against Baltimore. They've turned Andrew Luck into like, like super duper low T Alex Smith almost. They're they're just playing bubble screens and slams. That's what I'm saying. Like passes. I don't I don't know how you can expect him to be anything more than like a, a faster post injury Chad Pennington. Like this is not going to be like Drew Brees where he comes back and he's a, continues to be an All Pro and his arm is even stronger. Like this looks like like they might be drafting a quarterback next year. This is a concerning situation. <laughs> do you do you know uh let me look this up right now how much money do they have tied up into him left andrew luck that yeah. was a, what i'm looking up right now i something like six million dollars so they could save 15 million dollars by cutting andrew luck next year and that's not including if they designate him as a june 1st guy it'll only be like a uh let me see they'll save like 21 million and then they'll have to pay six million in 20 2020 so they they bad. realistically if they want to, they can get rid of luck after this year. So this is definitely and like didn't um didn't the Seahawks try to trade for Brissett too and they said no? Yeah, a second they said, round. They pick. said the Seahawks try to offer a second rounder. Yeah. We'll get to them well. later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, make make a pick. Uh you guys are both both on plus three Cincinnati then. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's the gonna better the week. Agreed. I think they're gonna shit on them. I mean like like you said, Ryan Kelly, the the center that they drafted from Alabama a couple of years ago, it was a cool like he he looked real dope at first, but he, you know he's just another guy up there as far as it goes right now to me at least. And uh, Quentin Nelson is a rookie, so Gino Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, you know Andrew Billings look at this preseason, they're about to fucking eat. Uh, and you know, like you said, I mean this this could be the game that Andrew Luck gets hurt. We just look at how. Cincinnati's defensive line matches up against their offensive line. And I'm pretty sure uh, – I saw somewhere today that the Colts are going to be down a starter when they're tackle spots. So, Oh, God, dude. Uh, <laughs> ta-da. I don't, even know, I don't even know who their right tackle is. Is it Raven Clark? No, I think he's their left tackle. <laughs> no, there's no way. Oh, wait, oh, wait no, no, no. Here, here's what it was. No. It was it was Anthony Costanzo was still hurt, so Raven Clark is going to start a left tackle. That's oh, what it was. Oh, my God. God, dude. Uh, Fucking air raid tech, just bailing every step. He was no good. He was no good four years ago. Yeah. Uh, My goodness. All right, right, next game, Buffalo Bills. The right tackle, Joe Haig. You remember that draft Twitter all-star? Notre Dame or North Dakota State. State. Yeah, something like that. The the bison. Yeah. Uh, Next game. Uh, Buffalo Bills at Baltimore Ravens. So this game is another game that moved a bunch. It started out as Baltimore minus four. It's up to Baltimore minus seven and a half. Um, Nathan Peterman is starting. You guys remember him? Yeah, yeah, I do. That uh, that five interception. The five interception man and a half. And then they they just threw Tyrod back out there like nothing even happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, all, all right, restart, restart, guys. That's one of those games, Eric. You've probably been there. You, I mean, both of you guys have coached high school football, where you guys are like. Go into the go into the locker room, and you're just like, all right, guys, all we're trying to do is win the second half. Right, we're gonna yeah. make it. A, we're gonna make it a point of 
probably just win the second half. And they score zero just... zero, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, new game right here, right now. In your mind, as a coach, like you're sitting there, would it be the worst thing in the world if you got a running clock right now? Would it really be the worst <laughs> thing in the world? I've definitely thought that during a game before <laughs> that I've been coaching in. <laughs> yeah, so, so no filmwork. If this is a thing, like if there's a running clock, no film work that week. So I'm pretty happy about that, honestly. Uh, uh, wait, what game are we talking about again? Buffalo, Baltimore, Baltimore. And Baltimore. Yeah. Okay. The the, the over under the the uh the total in this game is forty and a half, which is super low for an yeah. NFL game. Yeah, I was about to say that's tiny. Uh, oh man, seven and a half is a lot, but I don't know if the if the Bills will score like more than a touchdown. No, I don't think so. I would be surprised if they get to ten points. Mind you. So, Peterman was by far the best Buffalo quarterback in the preseason this year. Like, the other, like, Josh Allen and A.J. McCarron did not look good. A.J. McCarron, I think, started out as QB1, and it ended up getting traded for, like, a conditional six-round pick or something. No, a firm fifth-round pick from the Raiders. Goodness gracious. In the same, off, a- in the same offseason that Michael Bennett and Aqib Tlaib got traded for fifth-round picks, the Raiders traded a fifth for A.J. McCarron. <laughs> I hate the NFL. The, the, I'm telling you, I think we have been on this for a while now, but, like, the market inefficiency in the NFL right now is, like, trades. It's not the draft. The draft has just been beat to shit. It's definitely trades for veterans because teams, like, don't know how to act every single offseason. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, look at what Buffalo did. How much dead cap do they have right now? Buffalo, they have something like $50 million. All right, we're going to talk about Asia McCarron real quick. AJ McCarron, I want to bet on Buffalo covering at Chicago in week four. Um, AJ McCarron threw 34, or he dropped back on 39 passes. Do you know how many he uh, threw a completion on? Uh, 10? 11. 13. Wow. Jeez. 13. And he won a game somehow. And then John Gruden traded for him. Yeah, I, I think McCarron had some quotes after the game talking about how he was one of the, like, his. He was just super, super focused in the second half to get back and win the game. Like, whatever, dude. <laughs> whatever. Like, who cares? Yeah, he had like a hundred yards on like forty passes, forty dropbacks. That's that's not that's good. terrible. Plus, plus two interceptions. That's not great. So, yeah, and then but the, the funniest part of the Bills off of the Bills preseason to me was Josh Allen getting sacked five times in the first half versus the Bengals, and then. I don't know. I think I put it in one of our Twitter DMs, but he had this pass where he – it was like third and 12, and he was try, trying to make something happen. He rolled out to his left, and he threw this ball so goddamn hard that the receiver that was going to make a play on the ball, he put his hands up, and when he saw how fast the ball was coming, he put his hands down because he, <laughs> cause he didn't want to get hit. And then Kelvin Benjamin was behind that guy. And Kelvin Benjamin put his hand out, and when he saw how fast the ball was coming, he put his hand down too, and the ball just like it, I swear to God, it was one of the fastest like I've ever seen a ball travel in an NFL game, and these dudes just were not interested in catching it at all. So, you know, when Nathan Peterman is your best off off uh, your your best option, and he's already has a game where he threw five interceptions in a single half, you know, I, I don't really know how much stock you put into it, and I, I think so. So for the preseason, Nathan Peterman's he had. 80% completion percentage for 
like nine and a half yards per attempt, which is pretty ridiculous. Like, no matter, which is good, but it's, it, it's good. also good. the preseason and like sixty passes, right? Yeah, and the last person to do that was Dante Culpepper, and that season when Dante Culpepper started the regular season, he started off with zero touchdowns and eight interceptions before he was benched. So you know, <laughs> that it, it doesn't. Really I was going to ask, what, like, what would you put the line at that we see Josh Allen in this game? Uh, I, I think they're going to stash him on the bench for the first three games because you got Ravens, Chargers, Vikings, and then you let Peter. Oh my God, yeah. dude! <laughs> <laughs> Peterman is the only film that Peterman is going to have is just straight fucking interceptions. It's, it's awful. And him getting annihilated, man. Like my mind, you yeah. This Bills offensive line is not good. Like they lost bad. like their three best guys like in a year. Like, dude, they, they like re- they Sandra replaced- Henderson starting at right tackle. Is he? He's still in the NFL. He might be starting. It's either him. He's either starting at right. T- no, it's Jordan Mills. And then dude, I, all oh, I know is that Bodine. All I know is that Bodine is starting at center, and that dude is like top or bottom five worst wait, offensive wait, lineman hold on, hold I've on. ever seen in the NFL. Hold oh, on. Here comes here comes Bills Mafia. Yeah, talking I, about I, fucking I, Ryan Glory in your right, mentions like right. they have been. Oh I'm, my god! I'm, you hear about this fucking Ryan Glory? They traded for like a fifth round pick for this center, and that's all that Bills can talk about when you talk about uh. What's his name? The center who who retired. I'm spacing out. Uh, Eric Wood, dude from Lowe. Eric Wood. Yeah. Uh, but the, here's here's the funny part. So Ryan Groy, you know, you have these Bills fans talking. You know, oh, this guy's gonna be so good. You know, we're gonna be fine without him. Russell Bodie won't need to start. He gave up two sacks versus Andrew Billings in the third preseason game a couple of weeks ago, and he had one where he literally didn't move his feet at all at the line of scrimmage, and he just stood there while Billings ran around him and, and sacked the quarterback. So this guy's not very good either. So I don't really know why Bills fans are talking them into something that's not great and something that's worse than it actually seems. But I guess that's the whole premise of living in Buffalo, New York, in the first place. You know, like it's Eric, Eric we're, we're going to play a game, Eric. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read their offensive line starters from left to right, and I want you to say if, if you know who they are. Like okay. in, any inclination on who they are. I'm so, so down for this game. Their, their left tackle's name is Deion Dawkins. I know Deion Dawkins. Okay. Uh, uh, Vladimir Dukas is their left guard. I remember Vladimir Dukas. From like 10 years former ago. Jet, former right. Jet, right? Yeah, he was, jet. he was terrible. Yeah, very, very awful. New York <laughs> Jet fans are glad to be rid of him. Uh, their center is Ryan Groy, which before this, did you know who he was? No, I did not. Uh, their right guard is John Miller. That's a fake name. Their right tackle is Jordan Mills. It's also a fake name. All right, Did they get two- like Jordan, Jordan Miller and Jordan Mills? Like uh, the casting director couldn't come up with something better? Yeah, they're both 76 uh, for Miller and 79 for Mills. Like I don't know. I have no idea who either one of those guys are. It doesn't their matter. Swing ta- the, their swing tackle is Marshall Newhouse. So oh, tells, no. That tells you where they are. <laughs> All right. Okay. But then look at the receivers, too. Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, Andre Holmes, Jeremy Curley, Ray Ray McLeod, and Robert Foster. This mind you, so our, our lads, our lads still, our lads still has Ray Ray McLeod wearing number three and Robert Foster wearing number eight, which tells you like what their depth at receiver looks like. My God, it's never good when you have a single digit receiver number like on the death chart, unless it's Victor Cruz. Yep. So. uh... Free, That's would, the only time it's ever worked out. I would say free shady, but he he spoke out against Cap, so have fun. Uh, yeah, so I, I I don't know, but going back to the actual pick, wow, we got derailed there. Uh, Baltimore seven and a half, like that's a lot of points, but this Bills team sucks. So 
I think yeah, it's, I, I think it's gonna be my stay away. It's just a lot of points because the Ravens' offense isn't anything to write home about either. No, it's not at all. At all, this is just, nobody should watch this game or bet on this game. I think it's a conclusion that we need to come to. Yep, that's fair. Uh, Ravens yep. games unwatchable. This, this game is going to be on red zone for two minutes. Two two whole minutes. This game is going to be on red. It's going to be a Baltimore defensive score. <laughs> block punt. We're going live to Baltimore for a block punt. Uh, next game. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York Giants. Uh, the Jaguars are three-point favorites on the road, which, whoo, buddy, we've come a long way. Yeah. I remember when I got made fun of for, like, taking the over, like, over six wins or whatever on Jacksonville? Yeah. I think it might have been, like, five and a half. You guys remember this? Yeah. Remember, remember who that. told you? Yeah. You did get made fun of. Regression teams. Regression teams, always. And they're also a positive regression team again, aren't they? Not significantly. Not in a way that I think can, like, Strong, significantly like alter their record. Yeah, like I, I think they kind of are who they are. You know what yeah, I mean? Like I they were fair. who they were. I think they're the best team in the AFC South. I think they're the team that I would be most scared of outside of you know New England and maybe Pittsburgh. I think you know Jacksonville, Pittsburgh are kind of on the same plane. Um, but yeah, t- talk about being a three-point road favorite. This doesn't happen very often with Blake Bortles. Um, I have money on this game on Jacksonville, and I don't feel great about it. Week one is always kind of weird anyways. Um, I would say that the one overwhelming, like, if everything goes right for Jacksonville, this game will very much resemble, like, uh, their win against Cincinnati last year when Jalen and A.J. Green got ejected, like, five minutes into it or something <laughs> stupid. But, I mean, basically, once Jacksonville got up by, like, a score... Uh, there was nothing that Cincinnati could do because their over their offensive line was just completely overwhelmed, and it didn't even really translate into like a lot of sacks or you know turnovers or big plays. It was just literally like anytime Cincinnati even had like anything positive going, they would get a holding penalty drawn. Like they just couldn't they couldn't do anything up front. And you got uh, what Will Hernandez making his first NFL start against. Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, and Marcel Darius. And he, he's the second best player on the offensive line. And yeah, he's very a, clear. Yes, he's the second best player on their offensive line. Um, Patrick Omame is the one guy that Jacksonville, like their weak leak off their offensive line, and he's starting for New York right now. So that's very clearly like a uh, an overwhelming position of strength that Jacksonville has. I just, re- I mean, I, re- I don't know, like, Jacksonville, Blake on the road is real dicey, man. You can't trust him on the road at all. And he hasn't been particular. I mean, he's been downright bad at anything that hasn't been a screen pass this preseason. Um, So unless if the ground game doesn't carry Jacksonville, this could actually get ugly for them, I think. I'm going to say something very problematic. Okay. Let's say let's say the Fed show up to MetLife and are like, hey, Janoris Jenkins, we know you were going to be here at this time, and we have a couple questions for you about a body that was found in your house. Gotcha. Um, Eli Apple is their best cornerback. What now do we think about this team? Because if something like that happened, like I would just assume Jacksonville just runs the ball every single play. Because the thing well, about I kind of think the Giants, the Giants don't have a pa- yeah. the Giants don't have a pass rush at all, and if they end up losing, like let's be very clear, like people like this type of situation has happened before. Um, 
Like, if Janoris Jenkins isn't available for this game, the Jaguars should be favorites by longer, I would think. Yeah, that's probably fair. But also, also, this team traded for Alec Ogletree and made. I was just gonna say, yeah, like, I was gonna say, have we not talked about Ogletree yet? Like that is the guy that needs to be the target of the Jacksonville offensive game plan. They need to run the ball and then throw a million passes to their backs. I mean, which they've already kind of been doing this preseason. They've been getting the backs more. Like I, with Marquise, they're in that little two back series. Yeah, like with the second week or third week, with Marquise Lee going down, I honestly think that the backs as a group are going to be more productive as a receiving group than what they get out of the receivers. And that's exactly how they need to target the Giants anyway. So Yeah, Ogletree's um, bad, goes, dude. He's bad. I can't believe they traded for him and paid him. Well, the Rams paid him, and then the the Rams oh, won, yeah. the one, one year into the decision, the Rams was like, oh, 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 we made a mistake here. And they, yeah. they suckered gentlemen to trade him. And, and Ogletree's like the perfect name because he was a big-name recruit, you know, big name player at Georgia, first round pick, got a new contract extension. So, like, he's one of those guys that the casual fan, oh, we got Al Goldtree. Like, that's dope. You see, he's a lot of tackles. But this guy, <laughs> like, in, in any functional way, oh. he, he just can't play linebacker. Even when he had, you know, Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald in front of him, he still struggled a lot. And those are two guys that are cl- going to clean things up for you. And, you know, snacks will help. But outside of that, he's just not a very good player. So, you're going to have, like, the middle of the field wide open unless Landon Collins plays, like, prime Troy Polamalu, no pass rush. Right. Like, this should be a game that, outside of snacks, uh, like, the Jaguars' offensive line should control this one pretty handily, I think. You know, and yeah. and then it just comes down <laughs> to, like, which Bortles are you going to get? Are you going to get the Bills playoff exactly. game Bortles or are you going to get the Steelers-Patriots Bortles? And if they get the, if they get the latter Bortles, they could win this game by, like, 30 points. But if not... It's going to be a slugfest, probably. Yeah. All that taken into consideration, like I said, um, I don't feel great about the Jags for this week, but I do have money on them. Um, I did bet to the Giant. I don't understand, like, Giants, Vegas, love whatsoever. Well, it's, it's risen a bunch since the draft, which makes me think that it's a lot of, like, Saquon Barkley, fantasy-driven hype. You know what I mean? Where they see... Odell Beckham Jr., they see Sterling Shepard, they see Saquon Barkley, they see um, Evan Ingram, and these guys are, like, halfway fantasy relevant. You know what I mean? So I think people see that, and then they're like, oh, this team is going to be great, without accounting for the fact that, like, Will Hernandez is going to make his first start, and he's by far the second-best offensive lineman on this team, and they're like, Kareem Martin starting as a pass rusher, which, like, makes no sense. And Eli Manning hasn't been good for two, three Since years now. Yeah, for a while. 2012, at least. It's been a while, so I... I thought their over-under of 7.5 was pretty generous. I thought that they should have been down in, like, 7, 6.5 range, I think, was kind of a much more realistic outlook for them. Because I could, I mean, I could see this all spinning and getting very, very bad. And even though they have productive offensive players, like, it doesn't translate into wins whatsoever. I'm more of the Detroit Lions. Yeah, this is not a, yeah, exactly. This is not a well-constructed roster whatsoever. Yeah, I see the the thing, the way I think about the Giants is I don't think I think they're going to be picking the top 5 next year in the draft probably, but they do have the skill players to be a little bit frisky on offense. You know what I mean? Like like you could have Definitely. a game you have a game where you could have a game where Odell and Saquon get hot and you can beat you can beat anybody like if because those two guys are so talented, but 
you know, when you look at the rest of the team with their pass rush, their secondary, their linebackers, their offensive line, quarterback, it's just it's, it's just not good enough. Like, they almost kind of remind me of, like, those years that the Falcons were losing a lot of games but still had, like, you would still get a decent game out of Julio or a, a decent game out of... Uh, yeah, I well, think that's actually really, a pretty good comparison. It was really just Julio. Uh, you get a decent game out of Julio every once in a while. Uh, I was going to say, like, Roddy? Who I was like, hell, no, because like, no Who Roddy. the hell is, else is coming after Julio? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, like, I don't really think that you should be scared of the Giants whatsoever. But, you know, if Odell makes a big play or two or Saquon makes a big play or two, they can keep it close. But I, I still like Jaguars minus three just because when you look at the rosters as a whole and just look at it side by side, they're not even close in terms of like talent on the whole. And I will say too, like if this game was in Jacksonville, I think that Jacksonville would win by two scores. So that's what this line says. Like yeah. this, this line suggests that like Jacksonville would be a nine-point favorite at home. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. All right, uh, next game: Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. We get to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in this one. The New Orleans Saints are nine and a half point favorites, so this means the Saints would be three and a half point favorites in Tampa. What do you guys think about this one? Uh, I, w- I would probably, yeah, I would stop. Probably still take the Saints. Yeah, it would be difficult for this line to get high enough for me not to take it. Yeah, I, I just don't think the Bucks are any good. Uh, like the thing with the Bucks is, people talk about oh their defensive line is so much better than last year, and that's true. But are they good? No, and their secondary is bad, Awful. bad, really bad. Like yeah. you, it was so bizarre to see them in the draft. You don't have really any startable players in your secondary, and you go out and take a run-stopping nose tackle with a top 10 pick or top 12 pick. That was kind of baffling to me. And then you come back and you take Ronald Jones in the second round, who is who really is just not in the offensive plans right now as it stands, and you don't take a defensive he, back. He's a track guy. Well, right. yeah, that that's that's his own fault. That's not because they didn't give him opportunities. That's just because he wasn't really uh, – No, that was a bad pick. He's a track guy. He's Tatum Bell. That's a that's a that's, that's right. a old name. Yeah, you sound old as shit, <laughs> man. I was like, hmm, let me think about what I remember about Tatum Bell, and then like, I'm like, should I say should I just say Shanahan because that's yeah. all I remember? Or <laughs> he, he was with uh, who was the other back? Mike Anderson was it? Mike Anderson, Tatum Bell. Yes, that was the duo. Was Mike Mike Anderson was like a UDFA, and that's all people talked about, right? Yes, that's correct. After Mike Anderson, Tatum Bell, it was Selvin Young from Texas that one year. God damn, I don't know why I remember all that stuff. All right, gun to, gun to your head. Can you remember when where Tatum Bell went to uh, college? No. Oklahoma State. Uh, holy shit. He ran like a four he ran like a four four three at the combine, I remember, because that was the first year. He ran that... he ran at four two seven. Holy did shit. he really no way. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. That's he, not official. Thirty eight and a half inch vertical jump. I, rem- I remember combat. him specifically because that was the first year that NFL network uh, started like broadcasted the combine and it was the off season that the Broncos traded Clinton Portis for champ Bailey. So like everybody just like everybody automatically linked up Tatum bell to the Broncos in the second round and it, ha- it ended up happening and he sucked. He was just a, a track guy. Okay. So he, he's like, uh, he's Ronald Jones. 
who the fuck was it? The the Miami tack uh, Juwan James, who everyone was like, yeah, he's awful. He's going to Miami, and then it, like that, was the, only <laughs> thing that the only thing that draft Twitter got right for like an entire year. The only narrative that they got right was Juwan Jones is going to Miami. He's gonna fucking suck. Perfect. I'm glad we haven't changed draft coverage at all in what a decade. It's horrible. Uh, it's uh, fifteen God. years. It's just the worst. Uh, All right, we should stop talking about this game. This game is awful. Do you guys, you guys are both taking noise? Yeah, Saints, like I said, it'd be, it would be really hard for this line to get up high enough to where I would bet Tampa Bay with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, there's, there's nothing. On the, there's nothing else on the road. There's nothing else. Uh, Eric, we want to talk about uh, first, co- first coach fired. We've talked about this a lot. Yeah, it's Dirk and uh, Dirk plus four hundred right now. Let me see. Uh, it was like pl- let's be clear. It was like plus seven hundred when I started talking. Yeah, dude, uh, I was like, like a couple months ago. I got on it. I got on it way late, and it's kind of evened out. He, him, and Hugh have the best, uh, the best value right now. But they're not gonna hide. There's no one in Cleveland who. Have you watched any bit of Hard Knocks? There's no one in Cleveland who is worthy of being. Uh, interim head coach, at least in Tampa Bay. Dude, they have they have Mike their Smith. future they have their future head coach on staff already, Todd Haley. Oh my god, he <laughs> broke he broke his hip in a bar fight before the fucking playoffs. You gotta be kidding I me! Know. No way. It's, it's <laughs> happening, man. It's gonna happen. It's um, gonna be it's gonna be some random dude in Cleveland who like plays Metallica and like does Oklahoma drills, like that dude, the tight end coach in Miami that one year when I think it was Philbin god. who got fired. It's gonna be some random dude, I promise. Did so you guys okay? So in your in your guys's preview episode, did you talk about Tampa Bay's opening schedule? No, no, but no, but let we me, can talk about it right now because we have. Let me read it to you. Um, week one at New Orleans. Week two versus Philadelphia. Week three versus Pittsburgh. Week four at Chicago. Week five by. Week six at Atlanta. That's pretty tough. Tell me where the win is in that. If, if, that. if, if Jameis loses in Chicago, what are the chances Dirk gets fired in that early bye week? That's why I really like the first coach. I think it's very Dirk. high. Wait, okay, when, and is, when is their bye week? Week five. Week, week five. Oh, yeah. If they start with and, four. And you have to figure that they already have the contingency plan of knowing that they have interim coach potential with Mike Smith. Right, Mike Other Smith got Mike Smith already. got interviews last year. Yes, so I, I think it's way easier to project them than I think when I was looking at it and I started texting you, it was like Denver, who has like a bunch of old coaches, but none of them really have a head coaching background, and then um, Hugh Jackson, and it's like if it's not fucking Todd Haley, like you really can't. You're make not Greg Williams. No, you're not making Greg Williams that. <laughs> you can't. They, like, you they can't. would make the. They would make the the. The offensive line rock star coach, the head coach before they did it with Greg Williams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jimmy Haslam would launder some money to figure out how to pay a college coach to coach not season before Greg Williams coached that thing. So, so yeah, I think it's uh, – the other dark horse, I guess, would be if is if uh, Dallas is just completely implodes at the beginning of the season. Uh, who do we got yeah. there? We got Marinelli. You got Marinelli on staff. I don't know. I, f- I feel like at this point, Jason Garrett would have to do some pretty sinister shit for Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, their offensive line is like about to implode, so we we have that going for them. And yeah, we'll, like the we'll get to Dallas. We will definitely get to Dallas, but things are not not looking up. 
for the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. I'm on the the Dallas Cowboys Wikipedia right now, and someone has edited it so that they already have three wins on the season. So that that's where Cowboys fans are right now after an 0 and 4 start in the preseason. They're editing Wikipedia pages to <laughs> promote promote false narratives about the Cowboys. Their uh, quarterback coach is uh, Kellen Moore. Do you know this? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, I believe. Okay, the closest that we have to a former head coach, other than Rod Marinelli on the staff, is either Chris Richard, who was politely told to leave from the Seattle Seahawks, and Doug Nussmeyer, who was the offensive coordinator at Michigan and uh, re- most recently at Florida. You know, you, the, the rock star Florida Gators who are lighting the college football world on fire. So, my mm. goodness. What a staff. That's good stuff. Uh, what's the next game? Uh, the next game is the Houston Texans and your son, uh, Deshaun Watson, traveling to New England. The Patriots are minus six uh, in this line. The over-under is 50 and a half. Good Ooh. grief. Um, what do you guys think? I'm going to take the Texans. I, 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 I think so, too. Just because it's, it's, it's going to be a shootout again, probably. Because last year, I think the – the total probably got to close to 60 last year. So I think that that 50 number probably sounds about right. And just when you look at what they did last year, now you got Watson another year. I, I think both Brady and Watson are just going to shred the opposing defenses. So I'm, I'm going to take plus six and shoot it out for the Texans. Do we feel great about the New England offense? Yes. Going, in, going into the I, year? I believe they have three receivers who know the offense right now, right? They have I, Philip Dorsett, Cordero Patterson, and then um, Hogan, Chris Hogan. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's Brady and Gronk. Like they're, they're going to be. Fun. Yeah. Also, Houston doesn't have a secondary. We should remind people that Houston does not have a secondary at all. Um, they signed Honey Badger, but other than that, did they? They got Aaron Colvin. They, they got. Aaron, they spent way too much money on Aaron Colvin. God bless them. Yeah, but like Jonathan Joseph. Kareem Martin, Kevin Johnson, all of those guys are marked men. Um, and if nothing else, Philip Dorsett and Cordero Patterson, they can run. Like if you're a step slow, they can beat you over the top. So I don't know. I feel like it was Houston last year and then Oakland last year where New England just saw like they were like sharks smelling blood, you know what I mean, tasting blood. And they were just like, yeah, we're just going to bomb this game. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like you. I kind of like Houston to cover though. Six Same. six is a lot. Yeah, I just think I just think Houston has too much offensive firepower. Like even with the offensive line issue that they have, they had that when Watson was playing last year. So I, I'm not really it, like it, it's it's concerning, but it's not enough where I don't think they're not going to put up like a shit ton of points as long as Watson stays healthy. Yeah, I, I, and I, I've made a huge mistake. I claimed that Chantrell Henderson. I misremembered that Chantrell Henderson was starting. For the Bills, he's actually starting for the Texans in this game. He's no starting? Way. No way. It's Julian Davenport at left tackle and Chantrell Henderson at right tackle. So Okay, let's play, about let's play the offensive line game again for Houston. <laughs> <laughs> okay, their left tackle is Julian Davenport. I don't know who that is. Okay, um, I want you to guess a conference. A college conference? You're never going to get it. Oh, my God. Mountain West? Nope. No, he's from Bucknell. Second year guy out of Bucknell, second year fourth round pick from Bucknell, starting at left tackle. Um, their left guard is uh, Sinio Kilimete. 
fake name. No, I don't know who that Their is. center is Nick Martin. I know who that is. No way! <laughs> they're, they're... <laughs> he's not bad, though. He's, like, okay. He's okay. He's decent. Uh, he's this okay. year, he's going to be the best Martin. At, at right guard, okay. uh, Zach Fulton. No. I don't know who that is. And then right tackle, Chantrell Henderson. Oh, my God, dude. Can you, get, can you guess who their tight end is? The guy who's going to help him in this game. Oh, my God. I was just about to say Owen Daniels, but it's not right at all. Uh, right. They, they just cut Steven Anderson. Is it CJ Fedorowicz? No, he's gone. Oh. It's oh. Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin, right? Yeah. yeah. Do, you, oh. do, you know who's coming off, do you know who's coming off the bench and pass protection to uh, help Lamar Miller? Blue? Yeah, it's Alfred Blue. Yeah. You got one. Yo, Alfred Blue, <laughs> he's made a nice little career for himself. He's good. He's, he's got he's got tenure. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a, a steady tenure. veteran. Yeah. Steady veteran. And that's nice for like not ever being the lead back in college, you know? That's a good career. Yeah. Good for him. Cash some checks. But uh yeah, Houston's fucked in terms of pass protection. Dude, I knew that I thought their offensive line was bad, but I didn't know it was like that. At least they got rid of uh what's his name? Breno Giacomani. He was awful. He was legitimately the worst tackle in the league last year. Yeah, and guess where Breno is? He's a swing tackle for the Raiders, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to go along with the SES guy that they drafted. Yeah, oh, no, Shouts no. Tom- Breno got cut. Never mind. Tom Cable forever. Breno got cut. Uh-huh. Never mind. But I remember the, the game last year versus the Patriots when Breno was starting at right tackle. It was It was – you know, and we know that the Patriots, they couldn't rush the passer at all last year. It was one of the worst games I'd ever seen from a right tackle. And, and this is against a team that couldn't even rush the passer. Like, he, he, like Trey Flowers looked like prime uh, Justin Houston out there. It, it, was, oh my unbe- God. it was unbelievable, man. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm out on the Texans, man. I've got to be honest. They're, they're paper Tigers until I see them actually do it on the field. Because, like, every stat projection projects – Deshaun Watson to lead the league in interceptions this year, too. So, I don't know. I just don't trust the Texans, honestly. They have, like, Super Bowl odds-wise. They're, like, basically equal with, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that has never made sense to me. This entire offseason has been like that. Their problem about, like, the Giants and stuff. That's the one that doesn't make sense to me is Houston. Their problem is that they're so top-heavy, and, like, one or two, one or two injuries to guys that have kind of already had injury concerns in the past. All of them. And I'll, say them? JJ yeah. I'll say it, JJ. I'll say JJ Watt. JJ um, Watt, Clowney, Watson, Merciless. All those guys have had season into injuries before. Yeah, so not great. Also, like, Will, they're counting on Will Fuller, and like, Will I Fuller's like Will got Fuller. more injury issues than me. Like, that dude just can't stay on the field, honestly. Yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like freak weird injuries over and over, though. Yeah. But injuries are injuries, so can't stay healthy. You can't stay healthy. I like him as a player a lot, though. He's yeah. really good. Will Fuller and draft, draft Twitter shit. Draft Twitter shit on that guy a lot, and um, he's a difference he, maker. Man. Yeah, as soon as he got a quarterback, he he's had Ted Ginn. he had yep. Matt, he had a hold on. I'm about to look at his stats, but it, he, he had something crazy last year where there was a point where he was playing with Watson, where he had like seven touchdowns on eleven catches or something like that. Yeah, dude, he was having a like a touchdown rate of like one for every three catches or something absurd. <laughs> like that. So, so last year for the season, he had. Uh, seven touchdowns on twenty-eight catches, which is like not sustainable or real, but it's still fun to look at. Like he, so, yeah. when he was playing with Watson. He had a, a stretch: four catches, two touchdowns; two te- two catches, two touchdowns; 
two catches, one touchdown, five catches, two touchdowns. These are four game spans. So all this, all seven of his touchdowns came in a what six, eight, thirteen span, thirteen catches, which is yep. every other catch is a touchdown. <laughs> well, we say we say it's not sustainable, but um, he started out like the this. result. The no, results, it's, 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 let's be very clear. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. the second highest touchdown percentage yeah. in the history of well, the NFL. Well, here's what so. I'm going to say. Like, the result is not sustainable, but the process that got there is because you have to play so much zone against Deshaun and keep your – it's very similar. Like, you said Ted Ginn. Like, it's very similar to, to Cam and Ted Ginn. Like, if you put that dude – if you put that dude if, – if the quarterback sees the backs of the defenders, he's going to take off and get a positive gain. Um, and it's very well possible that that receiver can just outrun your man coverage anyways. So you're kind of forced to play a lot of zone and your DBs are playing with their eyes on the quarterback. And I mean, there's running quarterbacks present a lot of ways to where deep threats like enhance their values. So like I said, while, while the result won't be sustainable, I think like Will Fuller is yeah, kind of, he's here to stay. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely here to stay. So just that's not going away. Just think about like Cam Newton and Ted Ginn, and then you look back at what Tyrod did exactly. when, he, when he had Sammy Watkins and Marquise Goodwin, or Michael Vick when, uh, God, who who do you have with the with Deshaun? Uh, yeah, Deshaun and Macklin. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, so like like you said, the the value of running quarterbacks really increases those deep receivers, and the the Bengals they got a good taste of why you don't run man coverage versus running quarterback. When Watson had like that fifty yard <laughs> touchdown run on Thursday yeah. night, so uh, I, and, you know, I, I I know Eric and I like we're just both bullish on Deshaun. Like he's good. Uh, it, it's just you know, can they keep him upright is going to be the biggest deal. But if they can, like he, let, let's say his his touchdown. His touchdown percentage is going to drop. Let's say it drops to like seven percent. That's still among like the lead leaguers, you know. So even if he drops, he he still should be above average. Yeah, that's the, the thing is that he's going to drop. But like you and I are still optimistic about what the floor is, right? So right. even even with regression, like he's still going to be pretty damn good. I guess I'm just more cautious in that way, where I see the interception projections and stuff, and I'm like these nerds. These nerds project yeah, the stats okay. better than but, I can. But even, so even his interception thing, percentage so. was, like, outrageously high, too. So, I don't and know. And it wasn't college. Like, that might just be who mm-hmm. he is, but he makes enough big plays to, to overcome it. It's, their concern, honestly, is, is the offensive line and the health of the front seven. Yeah. Not, it's not Deshaun regression. I, I think we're – yeah, that's true. I, I'll, I'll, like, there are three things I worry about more than that. It's, like, the health of the, the, the front seven – the offensive line just in general, and then the secondary. I cannot stress yeah. how awful that secondary has been. It was like them in Oakland last year, or worse. And then, like, at least Conley, like, at least Oakland has Conley. Like, Houston's kind of banking on two guys, like Colvin, who, like, legit played in the best defense in the NFL that, like, you know, probably... And who was honestly, stock. like, really bad as a starting outside corner. Like, before uh, before Jalen and, and Bouye got there, he was a starting outside corner, and he was not good. Yeah, so, he was like a he was like a he's like a blitzing run stopping cornerback, whatever that much is worth. Mike, however Ryan, much they gave him, he's worth he's worth like eighteen million over like three yeah. years or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So next game, you guys are both on uh, Houston plus six. Yeah. So, all right. Next game, last game of the morning slate, uh, game of the week. 
Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. No, the uh, Titans not, are a one point road favorite. I'm getting my mic. You can you guys can talk about this game. I'm betting the <laughs> under. The uh, yeah, the over under is uh, 45. And it's even money on both sides. So, goodness gracious, what what have the Titans done to deserve to be a road favorite in Week One? Dude, I don't. Like, everybody loves the hiring of LaFleur. And, like, we, the three of us had talked about, like, this guy, he has a really good resume. He probably should have been the guy that Atlanta handed their offense over to after Shanahan left. But I think it's really optimistic to project. And I know I'm being a Jacksonville homer right now, but it's kind of optimistic to project that, like, they're the new Rams. You know what I mean? That their quarterback is just going to magically get better when he was awful last year and he's been awful so far in the preseason. Um, they got a bunch of, of guys at wide receiver. I I don't know how you – I don't see the optimism with this offense whatsoever. I mean, I get it if it's like – because this is one thing that I think me and you have talked about a lot this offseason where people kind of – poo-poo on the NFL in terms of like innovation and they certainly do don't look at college football and try to adapt their scheme to that right but if there's anything that the NFL does that you know is semi-innovative it is like nub tight end right where you have like one tight end on one side he's like the, the furthest outside receiver basically right Off, like how yeah, you explain offsetting it? the pass and the run basically yeah offsetting the pass and the run straight so like that's one thing that they do the NFL does that I think is way more innovative at the NFL level than it is at, at college level. And then they run a bunch of bunch sets. And that's something that the, the Los Angeles Rams did very well last year. And I think if, you know, the Titans want to kind of take advantage of that, um, I think there's some edges probably there with, you know, the guys that they have. They have three functional receivers. I don't know if I would call any of them a standout guy, but I'm not sure, you know, considering who the Rams had. Sammy yeah. Watkins was probably their most talented guy, but he really didn't, like, break out. I don't know how different he is than Corey Coleman. And then Delaney Walker, you know, as a tight end, you know, as a pass catcher, he's isolated on that side. You know, he's more of a pass catcher than a run blocker, but I think he, he could be a difference maker in that way. Um, but another thing that we've talked about is, like, what Shanahan kind of tree does and what the kind of, like, McVay tree does. You know, you have to turn your back to the defense a lot, and that's not really something that Marcus Mariota is great at. Like, his whole thing is, like, the RP, second-level RPOs and stuff like that where his, you know, it's kind of like pop passes, right? Which are very different than turning your back on run action. So he, I'm not sure how, like, yeah, this, he this, needs this, this situation works out. He needs the second for the second level to be really, really defined because he's actually kind of similar to Bortles in this to where, like, he's deciding on who he's throwing the ball to coming out of the huddle. And what he does post-snap is he drops back and he kind of just waits for his guy to come over. Um... Like, people will, will post evidence of plays of, like, okay, like, he's going through reads here, he's going through reads here, but they're not really sophisticated reads where it's the primary is on the top of the drop, and then he's hitching to the secondary, and then going to the check down off of the hitch. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of he's, he's not really He's not really hitting his third read like that. He's like not, he's not a, a defender. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, he's a... People and people kind of confuse like timing passers for rhythm passers. Like he can hit a route in timing, but like I said, he's he's not really making sophisticated reads to where it's synced with his drop and everything. He likes to drop back and shuffle his feet until a route comes open. And this offense is more sophisticated than what he's done historically in the past. 
Um, and he hasn't shown, like, I know preseason is preseason, um, but my kind of feel on preseason is that, like, good stuff should be taken with a grain of salt, but bad things are legitimately concerning. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's and, fair. Uh, I think Mahomes said in an interview that, like, basically, like, Kansas City had, like, 13 installs on offense, and they only ran two the entire preseason. Um, but if you don't look good in those two, open up the playbook, probably not great. Like, if you, aren't, if you aren't sharp in those two out of 13, imagine when it's 13 out of 13. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I, I think we're probably both lower on the tight. I know we were talking about – we were listening to the Simmons podcast, and he's like, yeah, they're going to win the AFC South. And I don't – I don't really see that at all. For as much as, like, I don't see Houston having, like, the same Super Bowl odds as Jacksonville as, like, something that's, like, just, right, in terms of, like, statistically, um, I don't really see the Titans being, like, that team either. No. Well, here's the thing with Jacksonville. Like, no matter how you feel about Blake, realistically, for them to lose, like, for them to lose the AFC South, would have to significant injuries to their defense. Because, I mean... I agree. If Blake gets hurt, it goes hurt. down, there's not going to be a difference. Right. And if Blake goes down, like, do you really feel that different about Cody Kessler versus Blake Bortles? Because I don't. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that as, like, some fan and of, like, Cody, and like, of so Cody like, Kessler, but I understand Marquise how Lee, – Marquise Lee just signed a contract and got hurt. Do, do you think that influences them by a half game of a win projection? No. No. Right. He caught seven crossers a game. <laughs> I, I think probably the most important skill player on that team is probably Keelan Cole. I'm outside of Fournette, you mean? Uh, I mean, running backs, but... Yeah. All right, we're I'm, not going to get into this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, wait. Stop. What's the spread on the game? Like, you, guys, you haven't even gotten to that. Yet. It's Miami. It's, yeah, the Titans are favored by one. Congratulations. We talked about this game for five minutes and didn't have to involve the Miami Dolphins at all. I, I think we, we won. You still don't. Uh, like, the, the Dolphins. Uh, Titans minus one. Where is the game at? Miami. It's in Miami, and I kind of like Miami. I mean, sure. I'll just go. I'll go Miami plus one, just because they're the home team. But I'm. I'm not. Yeah, talking that's, about that's literally all it is. I'm not taking Tennessee on the road in week one until I actually see their offense do something. All right. Uh, the next game, the first after the first game of the afternoon slate. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go grab a beer after I say this because I know you guys are gonna be talking about Chargers shit the entire time. The Kansas City Chiefs plus three at the Los Angeles Chargers in their little eighteen thousand seat stadium. Oh boy! Oh, this is a perfect game for the Chargers to lose. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean. They're 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 a really talented team on paper on paper though you know and one thing that scares me how much of the Chiefs have you seen this preseason? Uh, actually a pretty pretty decent amount. Yo, their defense is ass. Like it's it, horrible. It, it's gonna be. They like, are literally te- they are literally Texas Tech right now. Right, right. Uh, I mean, talk about Kansas City. Yeah. Like, yes, they're even, Texas Tech. Even in the third preseason game against the Bears, the Bears they started. They, they couldn't stop Chase Daniel. Right. Chase Daniel, at one point, Chase Daniel was like 14 for It was their second streakers. Kevin White had like an untouched touchdown. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, their defense is going to be all-time bad. But you know what? Justice, you finally, you finally came over to the light side and realized – Philip Rivers is just a high-grade Andy Dalton. Okay. <laughs> I, 
who's re- who's really good against uncommon opponents. But yeah. anytime he faces anybody in the division or a common opponent, yeah, that's true. He's throwing the game he's, away. He's um, yeah. I I ran the numbers. Unfortunately, basically, oh, fuck. I wrote about this game for for quiet. Everyone has to go subscribe to this. Listen to this. It's mandatory. It's legally binding. Um, basically. If you look at the last three years of what Philip Rivers has done against division opponents, he looks like Josh McCown. And if you look at what he does against non-division opponents, he's literally the best quarterback in football. So, oh, okay. oh, probably take advantage of that. Like he's kind of figured out by teams that play him very often, which probably isn't surprising because like Philip Rivers' game isn't going to change. You know what I mean? He's been the no. same guy he's been for 10, 12 years. So, do you have um? Do you have Andy Andy Reid Week One numbers? By the way, uh, with Kansas City, he's Four and one, I want to say, but against the division in general, he's nine, he's uh, sixteen and two in the last eighteen. Yeah, last that's something years. that you last and I have three. talked about. Reed is a is a huge like trends betting coach. Like, yeah, bet can't blindly bet bet Andy Reed coming out of a buy things like that. Like he's very good situationally, and he's great to fade in the playoffs. So yeah, yep. I'm just very reliable all around. I was just looking <laughs> at you know what you get. What. Are we losing Chuck? No, I'm right here. Oh, okay. Uh, I was I was about to say, I, I just looked at Chase Daniel's stats from that game he had against the Chiefs. He went 15 for 18, 198 yards, so that's 11 yards per attempt. <laughs> Two touchdowns, zero sacks for a rating of 149.5 out of 158.3. And mind you, Chicago was the worst team in the preseason in terms of passing stats entering that game. Right, and just remember, so for this game – uh, Jordan Howard didn't play. Tariq Cohn didn't play. Allen Robinson didn't play. Yeah. Uh, Kevin White had two catches for 33 yards, and Javon Wims, like when their fifth or sixth round picks, maybe he was in, even the UDFA, had four catches for 114 yards and a touchdown on five targets. So, you know, th- this Chiefs defense is very, very, very bad. I mean, the Falcons, they did whatever they wanted to them uh, in, in their game. It- it's just going to be a long season for them. But, you know, I just. You, it's hard to trust the Chargers. So it, it's kind of like, who do you trust less? The Chargers as a team or the Chiefs defense? Is is Kareem Hunt the fourth best skill player that Patrick Mahomes can throw to? They can throw to? Yeah. I'm trying to think. So you got Tyreek, Kelsey. Tyreek, Sammy, and Kelsey. Oh, I forgot Sammy. Yeah, so yeah, he's probably fourth. I'm, tr- I'm trusting that. Against Chargers shit and like just knowing the division trends and all that. And also, also Gus Bradley will find a way to get like Denzel Perryman matched up on Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins at some point in this game, and it will go for an eighty-yard touchdown. Yeah, uh, how how do you feel? That about, will happen. I was about to say, how, how do you feel about what you've seen from Mahomes this preseason? Because I I think he's you know got to taper the expectations a little bit. Just from what, um, I, just from what I saw versus Atlanta, like that game, you know, I know he had like that seventy yard pass, but outside of that, it was it was largely a pretty bad game for him. It's gonna be volatile, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's going, to, it's gonna be like the highs will be super high and the low, like he, the lows will be low. <laughs> I mean, he, I, he's a, he's a very fun player, like, um, but at the end of the day, he's still a project. Andy Reid was probably the best. This is the best situation possibly that you could have dropped him into. Um, we've seen Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid, what he kn- knows what he wants in a quarterback, and he can extract like maximum value out of any quarterback. 
back he takes. And you have a guy with like this kind of physical tool set and the improvisational ability as well. Um, the way that Andy's kind of running his offense and it's going, like I said, it's going to be really, really fun, but it's going to be a bumpy ride too, especially in year one. There's probably going to be quite a few, like what? Okay. So Deshaun's the favorite to lead the league in interceptions. What is Mahomes at? Yeah. Mahomes is like right there. Cause all the other quarterbacks, all the other quarterbacks who are expected to throw a lot of interceptions aren't expected to start like a full 16 games. You know what I mean? Like the rookies. Or like, yeah, so it's like, well, that and like the outgoing veterans. So like a lot of those expectations had like Josh McCown starting 12 games, right? And then he would like have like two interceptions less than Deshaun Watson in 16. Um, but Mahomes is going to play 16, so Mahomes definitely going to be high up there. I've said the entire offseason where like I don't know if Mahomes is going to be good or if he's going to be bad, but he's going to be interesting to watch while he's young. You know what I mean? Like him sure. going through those growing pains are going to be interesting because he's going to be – like, things are going to happen when the ball comes off his hand, right? Like, he's going to be a guy who's plastered on red zone. Who have we really, like, seen that's like him? People will bust my balls, but I'll say Cutler. Oh. Uh, that's a good one. Interesting. I th- I think he's going to have a better career than Cutler, but, like, in terms of, like, the traits, right? I, I mean, everybody has to say far, but. I understand where you where you're going with that comparison. I get it. I get it. I mean, color was color was nice coming out of Vanderbilt, man. Worst quarterback against the spread of all time. Remember that Miami <laughs> swapping out the quarter. worst quarterback against the spread of all time for you know at least a halfway back. Hopefully, Ryan Tannehill. So never forget that Jay Cutler got traded for two first round picks at one point in his career. Ooh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I I just I, I'll never forget just how much Jay Cutler and Philip Rivers hated each other when Cutler was with the Broncos. That was fun. Dude, that was awesome. That was fun. Like, they were just barking at each other in midfield before the game every time. That that shit was fun. Uh, just too surly, like, not good hang guys. Like, you'd never want to hang out with either one of them. Right. Oh, Being absolutely surly. not. No. Being I feel like Jay, Jay, would, Jay would be a downer, and then, like, Philip would just be like, he's just too intense for me, man. And the thing with like, like he seems the type of dude who like wants to arm wrestle every single person like in a bar. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like he's also the he's also the guy that, like to show you pictures of his kids and like which one is that again? You got forty seven of them. He does have so many children. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, neither do I. Money probably <laughs> having a shitload yeah, of money. It helps. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> uh, but picks. Uh, he says I. I think I'm gonna go with the Chiefs plus three. Yeah, I think so too. All right, next game: Seattle Seahawks traveling to Denver. Denver, Denver is a three-point favorite. This, I mean, you have the, the the early season Denver trend, right, where they just kick ass at I, home. Yeah, Justin, I feel like one. I feel like you can talk about this, myself. even though even though you wrote about this for Quant Edge. I feel like you can talk about this because you tweeted about it. So it's I, like I, I wrote about for uh, Otto and Scotty, so I'm going oh, okay. here. Oh um, yeah, totally. Then so so Denver. Denver doesn't uh, lose I, at home. In September, <laughs> in the the first two weeks since the murder. So mind you, this is since 1970. There have been a lot of variables since 1970 in the NFL. Um, they have played 59 home games in the first two weeks of the season. They have lost eight, eight since opening in Vesco, uh, whatever it is. It's like Mile High Stadium at a Vesco Field, or like the reverse of whatever that corporate wording is. Um, they're like 19 and one in this split. Like teams do not. Last year, Denver opened up two and zero. At home with back-to-back home games, and they finished the year uh, 
three and eleven in the last fourteen games. So like this legitimately has the power to like beat teams single handedly. Denver has a higher winning percentage since the merger at home than uh, Nick Saban has at Alabama. To put that into perspective, and the the league average in that same split is something like it's it's either fifty three or fifty six percent. So it's something a little significant, but not nearly as significant as what Denver's been able to put together. So I, I would say just blindly, just like Denver at home. Earl Thomas has been a practice for. He's going to be a practice for like three days, two days, something like that, before a walkthrough. I just don't trust Seattle. Yeah, I mean, just to put it in perspective, like, you guys have played in coach football. Um, neither one in – I mean, I had never played or coach in cold weather climates, and I don't think you guys ever really have. Yeah. So, like, what do you know what about – Yeah, what are River? you talking about? I lived on a mountain. Okay. I lived, I lived in Maryland. Of, <laughs> Hood River's north of Boston, bud. All right. My mistake. I was going to say that the most extreme weather that I've had in uh, my football experience is always in the very beginning of the season when it's hot as shit on game day in the middle of the afternoon, like 100 degrees. And then to make it even worse for Denver, you're playing it on literally on top of a mountain where you can't breathe. Yeah, the air seemed to have a significant factor. Someone tweeted at me when I tweeted out the article. And they had a thing where it was like the the win percentage, not in the first two weeks of the year, but just in general about Denver. And it was basically like if it's really hot or it's really cold, like that's when it like drastic changes for for uh, the Broncos in terms of win percentage. I mean, it make that makes a di- I mean, especially when you're talking about someone, early in someone the season tweeted when- about like hemoglobins or something like that at me, and I was like, okay, I'll re- I'll retweet this. I'm not going to do yeah, I mean that's why you, that's why you guys have guys who have the sickle cell trait that they can't. Yeah, they don't play in Denver because the air is too thin. It, like it could literally kill them. Uh, like I, I think Ryan Clark talked about how he almost died after a Broncos yeah. game during his Steelers career, which is kind of crazy. But it, it really goes to show you that that is a legitimate advantage that the Broncos have. Uh, and, you know, and I think you can you can argue about the talent between these two teams, but. You know, I, I don't know if they're so far apart that... I think they're kind of equal. Like, their outlook going into the season is kind of the same. They have some nice pieces on defense. Um, Seattle them. clearly... Let's, let's name them. Let's name the nice pieces on defense. So it's Bobby Wagner. It's Frank Clark. It's Earl, Earl Thomas, who's been on... He's going to have three days of practice. I mean, I'm sure he knows the defense, but he's got three days of practice. The I corner is good. Dude, I the like corner Shaquille. is good. Shaquille Griffin. Yeah, the corner is good. Yeah, he's he, legitimately he, good. The one that looks like Richard Sherman, he can play. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, that's pretty. They, they have young guys. KJ Wright, whenever he's healthy. Uh, uh, Eric, of- Eric, do you know who's listed as a starter at at outside linebacker for this team, other than Shaquem Griffin? So there's Shaquem Griffin. Do you know who the other outside linebacker starter is listed right now in our lads? Not KJ Wright. He's hurt. Arkevius Mingo. Ew, really? Yeah. You know who they're – okay, let's play this game. Uh, defensive lineman. So we got Frank Clark. On we got Frank Clark. The other, de- the other defensive lineman. Uh, Quinton Jefferson. No. Jerron Reed. Yes. What do you know about Jerron Reed? I know his name. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. All right. And then to- Tom Johnson, which sounds like a generated no, name from the no NCAA recruiting. <laughs> yeah, so I don't even know who that is. Their backup defensive ends are Deion Jordan and Rasheem Green, 
who's a rookie from USC, third round rookie. Yeah. There's a drastic difference between when it was, uh, you know, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, and Frank Clark coming off the bench to Frank Clark, Quentin Jefferson, Deion Jordan, and then Barkevius Mingo maybe spelling from Sam to defensive end. Yeah, I, I, I think that, like, losing Bennett and Averill, I think that's going to hurt hurt more than losing Sherman. Yeah, I would agree with that, actually. Uh, and, I mean, and he lost Cam, too. Like, just how quickly that, that defense kind of disintegrated, it's just... Is crazy to me. Yeah, uh, five year five year runs in the NFL, man. Then it's over. Yeah, so, which is what makes Brady and Belichick just so ridiculous, you know. Uh, so the it was it was what the the Broncos are, are favored by three. I think I'll take the Broncos on that. Yeah, Broncos minus three two is one hundred five compared to Seattle plus three being minus one fifteen. So you're actually getting uh, yeah. So the value the, there. Public, the public is probably back in Seattle on this one. Yeah. Okay, uh, next game. This is probably the, like, this is probably going to be the most shown game from the afternoon slate, I would probably say. Like, if you look at those little maps that, that what is it, like, 503 or whatever it puts out, um, I'd probably say nationally this is probably the afternoon game that you're going to get, which is Dallas at Carolina. Carolina is a three-point favorite at home, plus 100. So a lot of money coming in on, on Dallas, plus three. Uh, I would be actually all over Carolina in this one. Why are people betting Dallas? Um, uh, what what reason Cowboys would you have? Are bad with, bad with was, money? What reason would you have feeling good about Dallas going into Carolina with their offensive line being decimated and feeling that they can win on the road? Because so Connor Williams, the left guard. Again, we have to perfect preface all of this with you know the preseason is the preseason but connor williams their left guard second round pick um did he not looks do like well. he looks like a young offensive he looks like a young man who is playing against grown-ups who's not physically ready to play offensive line in the nfl yeah especially inside i feel like at some point they probably got to flip him and lyle honestly yeah. lyle is a perfect body for guard i kind of feel like lyle's playing out of position they were just deep at guard, so it made more sense to kick them out to tackle. But, you know, now that they're in the situation that they're in, I, I don't know about that. Joe Looney is starting at center, so he can't really help him. And then Terrence Williams is starting at wide receiver. So, like, I don't, and like Jeff Swain, do you know who Jeff Swain is? No. no. He is their starting tight end, like, by far. Like, he's getting all the reps with the ones. So, uh, have you guys seen the screenshot? It was, it, or, you know, it just, it's a screenshot of, like an end zone shot from behind of the Cowboys offensive line. And like, if you're just looking at it from right to left, like this is when Travis Frederick was still in the lineup. Like it goes Lyell, Martin, Frederick. And these are three, you know, very clearly NFL players. And then Connor Williams, like he looks like, like a high school kid almost next to those three guys. And then you have Tyron the giant next to him. Like physically he's just, He's just not ready to play it. Like he just looks like a twenty-one-year-old out there on a field full of you know professionals. So I, I think that that's why his preseason was so bad. And now here comes uh, Kwan Short and Don Terry Poe. So good luck with that. Ease the transition right there, just right into the teeth of what the NFL looks like. I mean, any it's really concerning any time like a team. Invest so heavily, like they have a they Dallas has a clear 
plan and a clear strength of their roster and a significant salary cap investment in their offensive line. And now that strength is gone. So what are they left with, really? And I mean, you know, part of it, obviously, uh, <laughs> you know, part of it wasn't their fault, obviously, with Travis no, it's Fred, not their fault. With Travis Frederick like, getting hurt or not hurt, but having that condition. But you know, you now you just have kind of to deal with the facts. You have right, you're, exactly. You're missing Frederick, and you have a rookie who's not ready to play at left guard. Like, you, you know, going to, up against this Carolina defensive line that's like sneakily pretty damn good. Because even last year, Julius Peppers had 11 sacks, and Mario Addison had 11 sacks too. So you know this is this is a pretty There's quality all, defensive line. I feel like they get a lot of cleanup stuff from interior guys. But I was going right, to say like, like right. the interior guys they, are so talented. They they've been able to trot out whoever there at, at defensive end and and it's it's kind of very similar like you said with cleanup sacks with like with Carol or uh, with Cincinnati and Michael where, Johnson. Like, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like they can put whoever at defensive end and they're going to get guys that are flushing out of the pocket and bring them down. Um, let's talk about Dallas's defensive line. Eric, can you name two defenders on their defensive line? Um, I know Demarcus Lawrence. There you go. You is, Tyrone, is Tyrone Crawford still there? Does he, he start? Is, he, he is starting opposite of him. So, like, Carolina's def- offensive line is a little bit of a question right now. Um, can you name a Dallas defensive tackle? There's four of them. <sighs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read them. These are the backups, okay? Antoine Woods and Malik Collins. Do you know who either of those are? I have heard of Malik Collins. Okay, I know of him. He was he was a third round pick. He's not a yeah, good player. He's, he's, a, he's a name I know. I remember <laughs> when people said he was gonna be better than Grady Jarrett, but I'll, I'll let that one go. No, sir. Malik Collins has hips, but he was a guy who could never do anything when you get a body on him, which unfortunately if you're a defensive tackle, that's gonna happen. Uh, dude, I honestly feel like half the names I know were just like draft Twitter love crushes. <laughs> that I never watched a single down of, but their names were just beaten into my head. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy! If you want to talk about draft sort of uh, crushes, so they're starting defensive tackles. One of them is Daniel Ross. You know who that is? No. Okay, I don't know who that is either. No, no. So that that's a that's a bad sign because I watched. I'm in the. You're the defensive the line guy. Percent, yeah, I'm the top percentile of watching defensive linemen, and I don't know who he is. Do you know who the other starting defensive tackle in Dallas is right now, according to our lads, at least? Give me the name. His last name is Jones. Uh, Chris Jones? No. No. Eric's going to die when he hears it. Dayton? Yes, sir. Are you serious? (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) He's the starting defensive tackle there? He's absolutely – the starting defensive the, – the four defensive tackles, according to our lads, on Dallas's active roster right now are Daniel Ross, Malik Collins, Antoine Woods, and Dayton Jones. That's wrong because oh because Tyron Crawford is moving back to defensive tackle. But still, Isn't he? They have him starting at end, but yeah, either yeah, way. Either way, it doesn't Okay, matter. so Taco Charlton is starting at defensive end. I'm not worried too much. It doesn't matter. Uh, but <laughs> the Panthers do have an awful, awful, awful offensive line this year. But I don't I don't know. The game I feel game. like I feel like Khalil going down is like addition by subtraction. No, because they lost the other nope. tackle too. They have, no, they have no depth. Yeah. So like they had Taylor Moten, which who we've been saying like he needs to be a starter somewhere, like guard tackle. Now he has to start both bookend positions for him. Yeah. So uh, I don't even know who the right tackle is gonna be now that Moten is the Well they just they tackle. just traded for that Corey Robinson guy from Detroit. I didn't Spoiler alert, Detroit didn't have a good offensive line last year. 
Uh, yeah. So I, I don't, I, I don't really know. What was the spread on this game again? Must be picks because we're running three. Long. It's uh, Carolina three, and I'm taking Carolina. Yeah, I'm gonna take Carolina too. Oh, okay. So, so leading into the next game too, because the next game is Arizona and Washington. Um, how do we feel about Washington being at least the second best team in the East and a possible playoff team? I'm here for it. Maybe okay. even potentially winning the East. Mm, I'm not going to go that far. It depends how long Foles plays. Like, that's the one thing I will say about that. Like, I don't think – like, I think Washington is probably a lock for a wild card spot if they were in the AFC. and the NFC, it's just too competitive. But if that's Foles true. starts too many games – like, if Foles starts four games, you might – like. Washington might end up being the favorite. Just because I, I really think what Foles did was unsustainable. Well, yeah, because okay. that's not who he is. Like, I, I, we, we've seen you know, somebody. Well, even then, like like I said, in the playoffs, he wasn't able to score in the red zone. And that's like half of NFL touchdowns are scored with inside eight yards. So, like, when Foles isn't producing in the red zone, it's kind of like fluke long plays. If you have a fast secondary, like we said, Atlanta has, like, those plays just don't happen. Like, you face a bend, don't break defense, that's just not going to happen. So yeah. I don't know. I don't, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I I just think the rest of the team is so nasty. I, I just can't really. But really, what? I'm just, really I'm here for fade the Giants and fade the Cowboys and bet the Redskins. That's how I feel a lot like about season long for this division. So mainly. what's the spread on this game? I don't really feel like talking about the Cardinals at all. Uh, Dude, Washington, Washington is an underdog. One one point underdog on the road against Arizona. I'll take Washington on that. This was a pick 'em yesterday. Some money is coming in. I yeah, I got it as a pick. Like I'm actually kind of pissed I didn't wait a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, just as you were talking about Simmons podcast, and I listened to it too, and this is one that they were on as well. To where it feels like three or four weeks from now. Cause, okay, nobody here likes Arizona, right? Season long, this game. No, it, I, like, when I, Arizona. No. Like when clearly, I did win totals, I had them as last in the league with four and a half. Clearly, like clearly, bottom five team, right? Easy. And we feel pretty, like not great, but pretty good about Washington. Like they're they're a solid team. They're going to be. They, they, they got, went seven. They went seven and nine last year, and they like had the worst injury luck in the league. Like yeah. that's their bottom was seven and nine last year. So I don't if, know. Like they kind of got to be trending up, right? If that was if their bottom. I, in my opinion, they upgraded at quarterback. Alex Smith, 100, 100 plus passer rating last year. Let's talk about it. I think they have the better Gruden. Um, Easily, like I think, I think Jay's actually a pretty good coach. Like at, at least offensively, um, I think he's great. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know about game management or anything, but in terms of putting together a productive offense, like he's easily he's like in your top five guys that you want in the league. Um, he he's one with a quarterback who one time kneeled it. In the red zone when he was supposed to spike it. <laughs> I feel like we should give him credit for winning like seven games a year, just dealing with that. And then two, like I like their front seven a lot, like quite a bit. Um, their secondary has two good pieces. Like I like Swearinger and then Norman's pretty good. I feel like they got pieces to. I know the NFC is is it's like basically like the West in the NBA, but um, I feel like they like they have pieces to be competitive down the stretch and. 
Arizona minus one, like this is going to be a game where we look back on in a month and be like, what the fuck was that line all about? I agree. Uh, agreed. I, I think these teams are like not really close right now. Uh, but I, I like the only way I can see Arizona staying in this game is like if, if David Johnson just goes off against yeah. Washington. But, but Washington has a good front. They do. You know what I mean? I just don't want to talk oh. about this game that much anymore. Yeah, nobody should. Really I'm, I'm not going to watch it, so. No. Sunday Sunday night, Chicago Bears at Green Bay Packers. Packers Clear are seven and a half point favorites. Pack, right? Oh no, he's playing for the Bears. Cut his ass. Cut his ass every play. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Every time he's on Brian Bullock, cut his ass. What, I what's promise. The, what's the spread? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. For the, You're going for deaf, the Packers? Bud. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm gonna take the Bears plus seven and a half. Dude, I'm not betting on Trubisky until Wayne Trubisky. I'm not betting on Trubisky. <laughs> I'm betting on Vic Fangio and Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd and Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith. Vic Fangio is still there. Wayne Trubisky is still going to end up getting a lot of touches in this game, unfortunately. The ball has to come off the sand. So. I feel that – I honestly feel the same way about Chicago as I do about Tennessee. Like, Chicago has a better defense, but – I feel like everybody's way overrating the impact of the offensive coordinator and like the new weapons they brought in. I well, don't like the, think the other thing too is like, so I, I went and watched Chicago's offense. Their their best play, like type of- their best play is still going to be a four yard handoff to Jordan Howard. Like that's <laughs> going to be their best play. You like, can dress it up with with RPOs and shotgun and everything else. Like their best play will be inside zone to Jordan Howard. Well, the other thing is, like, their RPOs are very different than, like, Philadelphia's RPOs, right? Where, like, Philadelphia's RPOs are, like, second-level, third-level RPOs where they're trying to hit post routes. In Kansas City, their RPOs were to hit, like, bubbles, right? So, like, it's not like these plays are des- – these plays aren't designed to go 15 yards deep. They're designed to, like, I get, like go backwards and take advantage of space. But, like, that's – It's, like, exactly the same thing you that you're trying to do with a smokescreen. Right, exactly. So, like, I'm not – it's still Wink Trubisky, baby. I'm not worried about this game. I would probably but, stay away from this line just because it's so high, but Chicago I'm not worried is, about the Packers like, losing. Everybody hates John Fox, but Chicago will definitely win a game this year with Trubisky only completing like 10 passes again. That will happen. It's going to be some – all right, let's look up the December slate. We're going to figure out which game this is going to be because I can promise it's going to be in Chicago, in the snow. He's going to throw like 10 passes. Six of them are going to be completions for like – I don't know, like 72 yards, maybe a score. But just the fact that he doesn't throw an interception is going to be what ends up winning that game. Because what was it? Was it the San Francisco? I can't remember. I'm, I I got CT from playing high school football. So I can't remember if it was this past year or the year before where they played that game against San Francisco where, like, basically no team passed the ball. That was this year. They won, like, two games in a row with him completing less than six passes, I think. Something right, like he, that. Something stupid like that. Here we go. Their December games at home are against the Rams and against the Packers. But December 2nd, they play at the New York Giants. That game, there's going to be 50 passing yards. Disgusting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just like – I like the Bears plus seven. Just got seven and a half. I mean, I just think that's a lot of points. And this defense looks – Their really defense good. is going to be legit. Yeah. I will say that. Like, the, their defense will be legit this year. And the thing with Khalil Mack, yeah, he got there on Sunday, but – a guy that's that good, how long does he need to get up to speed? You know, like, dude. All they're all they're gonna do is just run and like tackle end stunts with him and Akeem Hicks. That's all he needs to do. I, in this it, game. It, it, like you, 
If nothing else, you could teach them a third down package. Like, God damn. Yeah, right. And, and you know, it's going to be – like, Fangio's going to be right at home where he was with Alden Smith and Justin Smith, I think. So, like, he, he's already had this type of talent before. Like, obviously, Justin Smith is better than Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack is better than Alden Smith. But, like, you have the same dynamic there. And now you have, you know, you got Leonard Floyd, who's a capable guy in spurts. On the other side, and I, I think Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are going to just ball out this year. So, I don't know. I'm going to take it plus seven. I still think the Packers are going to win because I don't trust the Bears' offense. But uh, I, I just think that Bears. You could convince me. Good. Yeah, that's pro- that. I would. Say it's a. That- it's a lot. It's a lot of points. But the one thing that I'll say is like, if, you're a Packers I'm fan. Texting with Eric about this. No, like if there's one thing that Mike McCarthy do can do is he can win fucking division games. He can't do anything else. He's a bumbling idiot. But and the Bears, dude, like the Bears don't beat the Packers, man. They just—I don't think they will. Not my, yeah, I'm not I know, time. I know, I know. I'm we're talking about—we're talking about a spread and not and not winning, and not winning and losing the game. You are correct about that. And Chuck, you could probably bring me, you could probably talk me into and convince me on taking the seven and a half because that is a lot of points. And but dude, and like this state, is a teaser team. I think we were talking with KP and we were like Baltimore. That, yeah, are like, I think right. Yes, that. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. You would want to just tease this down. Yeah, that's fair. And that's the answer. I, I also, you know, I think that the the Packers, like you've seen, you see them get into games where they just physically get beat up up front, and like like the Falcons NFC yep. Championship game is one that comes to mind, like where they they come out and they hit, and that team just kind of folds. And now you look at the Bears they are, seven. That's kind that's of what I, that's like. That's like the vibe that I'm getting. So I like the Bears plus seven just because. Like when the, like the Bears, they have a bunch of guys. Like they just come in heavy hit, like over and over I, and over again. That's a great point. Like if there is a kryptonite for the for the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers, it's a team that's just going to hit them in the mouth, rush, um, and and just beat them up with the pass rush and drop back into into quarters and zone coverage, and honestly just out physical them because the Green Bay Packers at their heart are a finesse team. Um. Another note that might be significant in this game, I believe Randall Cobb is still battling an ankle injury, which means that Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison are going to be out there on two wide receiver sets. I don't think that – I'm going to check right now. I don't think they have a fullback this year because they cut Aaron Ripkowski. Maybe they have another guy. I legitimately do not know which one of the eight wide receivers that they rostered, rostered is going to be the third receiver outside of Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison if Randall Cobb doesn't play. Um, but I have no plans – to learn before this game kicks off. I'm, I just want to be surprised because it could be. Yeah, so I'm looking right now. It could either be Trevor Davis, Jamon Moore, Marque, Marquez, uh, Valdez Scantling, or Equinamia St. Brown. And I have no idea which one of the four is going to end up starting this game. Cobb is out. Um, Eric, do you know any of those names at all? Um, I know St. Brown. Oh, because uh, I sent you the stuff about his dad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. But that's about it. Now. I'm actually I'm rooting for Geronimo Allison to have a breakout season just because I think he has one of the coolest names in the NFL. I'm gonna and try he to... runs a he runs a four seven, so you could be yeah. like Jarvis Landry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm gonna hey, try yo. to convince Melissa to name our second son Geronimo. Geronimo Stoner, come on, you Geronimo can't, Stoner, you can't do that. That's Making a, it too I'm easy. <laughs> the kid's gonna get picked <laughs> on. <laughs> All right, Monday Night Football, the early game. The New York Jets against the Detroit Lions. I'm glad the NFL picked uh, a perfect primetime game. By the way, 
Um, only one play. Only there's only one playoff matchup in Week One, and it's Atlanta against backup quarterback Nick Foles. Other than that, every single team involves at least one, or every single game involves at least one non-playoff team. So the Jets at the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are six and a half point favorites in Sam Darnold's first start. What do we think about this? Oh, I'm gonna take the Jets honestly because I I don't know if the Lions are really even that good. Uh, Dude, I agree. I'm totally there with you. I mean, this team, when you look at the Lions' defense, they they are – last year they were solely able to stay afloat on turnovers for the most part. You know, like they didn't get sacks. They didn't get – they didn't stop the run. They had a decent, like, pass defense, but they got a lot of interceptions. They got a lot of turnovers. So, like, that's how they were to stay afloat. If you just look at it, you know, if you look at the talent they have on defense – it's just not likely that they replicate that again. Uh, so I think they're going to have, like, straight switch cheese defense. And then their offense is – it's good, but it's not anything that scares you, you know. So I don't really see why the Jets couldn't keep this within six or even keep it – like, have it be a close game come the fourth quarter, you know. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I – I'm to double down on that, like, I honestly – I'm not a huge Todd Bowles fan, but I think that Todd Bowles is a better coach than Matt Patricia. We don't really have – I mean, we have no uh, body of work to go of with Matt Patricia as a head coach so far. But mm, – There was that one thing. Yeah. <laughs> that, pe- that people, like, completely forgot about in, like, the middle of July. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't feel – I don't feel great about the Lions, man. Um People say that their offensive line is like a young, like a young up and coming unit. We'll see, I guess. I don't like they might be a decent unit, but I don't think it's going to be like a unit where they can lean on them when things get tough. You know what I mean? Um, well, I don't think they really want. Like I, I think they very much want to be a three wide receiver team, if nothing else. Like I, they used T.J. Jones a bunch last year. Like four wide receiver set out of like a pistol is basically what Detroit operated out of at the end of the year last year. So it's okay. not like they're a heavy team, right? The uh, tight ends I'm, are Luke Wilson and uh, Levine Tololo. So it's not like they want to lean onto those guys and go like 12 personnel the entire time or something like that. So That's for, that's former Falcons great Levine Tololo to you. Former Falcons like right, right, emergency right tackle or left tackle. I can't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, this is the first the Giants. They lost like almost their entire offensive line and he had to play right tackle. Let's make this okay. Let's make this really interesting. Fuck this game, to be honest. Let's talk Matthew Stafford's legacy. Uh, no, oh so my far. god! Oh my god! Here I mean, we go with the, the fucking people, Hall of Fame takes. The people calling him Hall of Famer are just out of their fucking mind. So, he's Vinny Testaverde. He's had like one good year in terms of efficiency and a lot, a lot of volume stats. So he has the most forgettable. 5,000 yard, 40 touchdown season in the history of the NFL. Was that like 2000? It was 2011. It was, yeah, it was 2011. <laughs> it, was the, it was the fake year, like did the holdout year. Did they go seven? They, they, went like seven, they went like nine and seven. He threw the ball 700 times, I think. Oh my God. Yeah, fuck, dude. Matthew Stafford is average. He's an average quarterback. I'm sorry. He had a really good year last year, but that like. Are so we people, judging him by last were, year projecting forward, or are we? People were really Stafford? arguing with you guys, saying that he's going to be a Hall of Famer, huh? Dude, they're oh my god, I don't want to even talk about. That. I don't want Detroit Lions Twitter in my mentions anymore. But 
Yeah, there are definitely people who are like, he's on pace to be the best quarterback of all time. I'm like, oh my goodness. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. This is where I talk to you about efficiency over over volume. And I'm like, he's Vinny Testaverde. I don't understand what the hell's going on. He gets everything wrong. Or like Drew, right. like if you want to go like with a I guess a more favorable comparison, like Drew he's Drew Bledsoe. You know what I mean? And nobody's yeah. standing for Drew Bledsoe to go to the Hall of Fame. He's just strictly a volume guy. He sent the attempts record. Yeah, I, hold up. There was this one season that Stafford had a few years ago. Uh, I'm trying to find it. Uh, it was – he had, like, over 600 attempts and under, like, 25 passing touchdowns, which was just – Oh, my God. Teddy Bridgewater stats. Yeah, okay. Here, Oh, my God. Here it is. So, in 2012, Matthew Stafford had 727 attempts and 20 touchdowns, which is just, like, comically bad, you know? Like, you're just not getting enough out of your passing game right there. So, like, you know, the people calling him a Hall of Famer, it's just – it's Mind, mind you, he had, he had 20 t- – Touchdowns while also having 17 interceptions. Right. So he had he had a touchdown percentage of 2.8, which is pathetic, and then seven like a, a interception percentage of 2.3, which is not bad. But 17 touch 17 interceptions, 20 touchdowns is not great. Um, um I don't want to. Let's, a, let's ask anymore, Eric. Let's make fun of the Raiders. No, let's make fun of the Lions real quick on the way out. Alex Smith. How many seasons has Alex Smith had in terms of pass? Like last year's Alex Smith season, right? Was over a hundred. Passer rating. How many okay. seasons has Matthew Stafford surpassed that? He's been in the league since 2009. So that's nine years? Nine years. I'll say two. Zero. He's never, he's never had a 100, you know, passer rating season, which Alex Smith had last year. Mind you. That seems impossible in this era. Yeah. He's awful. He's not that good. He's not awful. He's, he's a volume quarterback. Good. He just throws the ball a lot. Throws often, not well. Yeah, not a Hall of Famer. Move All on. right, move on. Uh, Jets plus six, both in. Last game, the Oakland Raiders playing the Los Angeles Rams. I think last time I checked, the Rams were a four-point favorite since the Cleo it's four, it's, it's four and a half now. Um, so, it opened up actually as a pick em. So I was going to say, didn't it open up? Uh, <laughs> right, it just, it's just insane. It's insane because – even when you look at what the Raiders did last year with Mac, they finished bottom seven in sack percentage, or even bottom five, I think maybe. So, you, like, you have one of the worst pass rushes in football, and then you lose Cleo Mac. Uh, and the the craziest thing about that trade is, uh, like, the the craziest thing about that trade to me is like, how are you not going to get anyone that helps you immediately? You know, like you're just getting picks, and you trade away one of your best players in football. And not not just not just future because most of the time future picks are traded for like around draft time, where it's like okay I'll see this guy in sixteen months right if nothing else, um, the the twenty twenty pick isn't going to play for a full two years. I I looked at it and I said uh, so if that twenty twenty pick takes a year to develop into like a significant contributor right if you look at what the Raiders were in twenty fifteen it was something like eighty five percent of the roster has turned over. Since then, in those three years. So you could say that like 85% of the guys on this Raiders roster right now are not going to play with that pick when he, you know, finally starts getting it figured out. That's not great. Not great as a motivator. Yeah. And, uh, and the funny part is like when you look at, when you really look at what that, 
what sending back that 2020 pick means for for the Raiders. You you really it, it's more like you just moved up some spots in the, in this in the first round of 2020. It's not even like you you got two legit bona fide first round picks cuz when you send back that 2020 second round pick, the way that you're trending, that's probably going to be within the top 10 of the second round. So like you're still that's still a pretty like you're trading away a premium asset with Cleo Mack. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And so I wrote two things for Optimus Scouting about the Cleo Mack trade. I wrote before the Cleo Mack trade, and I was like, there's like four teams that like even like cap and need-wise make sense for this trade, and one of them was Chicago. I, the other one was the Jets, and then Seattle has a bunch of money because they're not spending any money on anything, and I can't remember the fourth team. Um, but those were the four teams that I was like, look, despite whatever the gambling odds that are like not even – it, they don't have to reflect reality. Like these are the four teams that should be in the running. So then Chicago trades for him. I get on the phone with a bunch of agents and I ask them about stuff. And really, it kind of sounds like I don't know what you guys' opinion of this are. I think Chuck, I, we talked about this in one of our group chats, and you were I, Eric is like, I can't believe this trade happened. Chuck is like, this trade was really stupid. But the way that I had it explained by a couple agents was basically like. These are kind of like max deals now in terms of like the guaranteed money assigned to these guys. And you can never have two of them, you know, signed in a short span. Right. So like if Derek Carr was in his fourth year instead of his second year on his contract, then Oakland probably could have signed him to could have signed Mac to a contract. But because Derek Carr was in his second year, that's just so much money concentrated into two people in terms of guaranteed money, like dead cap, basically, that this is not going to happen moving forward. And it's like a very rare thing that like you can hit on a Mac and a car in the same draft class. But I don't know. What what do you guys think of that? Do you go, Does that pass the sniff test? Because every, literally every single agent that I talked to said that. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention, honestly. You, you kind of you lost oh me. My is, is, oh, my goodness. Is Eric, are you still here? I guess not. Oh my god, we lost we lost everyone. I guess I guess Eric must have had like a little baby thing, maybe. Uh, but you know, the the Mac thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, I don't know because <laughs> I'm, I'm per- perfect. Week one, we're ready. <laughs> yeah, we're ready. It's just okay. The Raiders are just amazing. Like that, just that one day that they had where they they trade. That was bad. That was some bad PR. They they trade Mac. And then they come, they come back and they trade a fifth for McCarron. And like we already talked about earlier, the same offseason that Michael Bennett and Akeem Tlaib both go for fifths. And then to put, some, like, to put icing on the day, they cut Martavis Bennett, who they traded a third-round pick for. Right. So right. It, All right. We're doing well. It, it's just a comedy of errors that shows that, one, obviously Reggie McKenzie and John Gruden aren't on the same page. And I think that that... It's been abundantly clear for months now, even before like that post Khalil Mack trade press conference. Like how how are you how was John Gruden gonna come out and say that oh I didn't have anything to do with the second rounder being shit back when Reggie said that when Reggie said right before that that trading Khalil Mack wasn't in the plans. So obviously John Gruden's in the I, show. I, I think, Dude, I think I think that the I think worst Reggie thing... meant was like when he cause if you look at the context of what he said, like when he was talking about it, I think what the it was was negotiating with us. Cause like when these deals, when these deals happen, 
the agent has to be on board with an extension. You know what I mean? Like there has to be conversations with other teams. So a line of communication has to be open with other teams in terms of negotiating a long-term contract. And I think what Reggie McKenzie meant by like, we realized it wasn't going to happen was that they could not give Khalil Mack the same contract that he already was aware of because they were shopping him with other teams and his agent had to be on board with an extension with another team. Otherwise they wouldn't trade him. So I well, think what Reggie, that, Reggie McKenzie meant was like, he could, they couldn't match the same offer other people were going to give him. And that was completely out of his hand. Cause John, I mean, we're like, no one, no one knows, like everyone knows that this is true, but like John Gruden is running the show in Oakland right now, period. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Am I back? Yeah. My yeah. mic cut out for hella long. Um, yeah, I mean, basically once the floodgates opened and they were entertaining offers for him and Max agent was able to negotiate extensions with other teams, it was over at that point. Because like Justice said, um, basically once the cat is out of the bat, like shit, what, because if you're a team that's trading for, for Mac you're kind of on the hook for whatever his agent offers at that point because you're not going to just trade for a guy that's going to be one and done. You know what I mean? You're not giving up two first right. rounds. That's, that's the issue with the Bell situation right now where Bell cannot physically sign a extension because of the rules that are on franchise tag players. You can't, ex- you can't extend a player after I think it's July 16th or something like that. Yeah, they so would have Le'Veon to resist- Bell is locked they- into his deal. So like, yeah, exactly. teams aren't going to trade for that. At all. Who's going to trade for six games out of Le'Veon Bell if he's not going to play the playoffs? So. Exactly. So, I mean, once the cap was out of the bat, like, once the negotiations were actually open at that point, I mean, Mac was never going to come back. You know what I mean? And the thing thing that I'll say, I don't know how. So, I think I texted you before I started talking to these agents. And I was like, how much do you think that this has to do with, like, the communication line and all that? I don't know if it had to do with like agents having to negotiate with teams as much as it was that like as soon as Aaron Donald got that money it was like it's a done deal for it's a wrap yeah the the only thing that they had in their pocket and I just we can debate whether this would have been the ideal route for them to go but it would have been to go the Le'Veon Bell route and to just let him play out his contract and franchise him twice I mean if this is the new reality to where Front seven players are going to be getting quarterback money. I don't know. Like, if you already have a quarterback signed to a decent salary, I don't know what other option that you have at that point other than – I mean, that's basically where – I mean, Seattle is sitting on a ton of cap room, but, I mean, they're not going to give give Earl new money just just because he knows that he can get that on the open market. You know what I mean? So that, I mean, I, you can already kind of see it coming down the pike with Jacksonville in the future. Ngakwe is probably yeah. going to be the guy that gets paid because he's the, I mean, he's got his contracts coming up a year before Ramsey. But, I mean, Ramsey's going to be a fifth-year option and two-tag guy. And then we'll see what happens from that point because they're not going to be able to pay both of those guys straight up. Yeah, and the team that was told to me that is kind of like the model for, like, what you look for for like a sustainable team moving forward, like in this post Kirk Cousins reality of like guaranteed money is the Atlanta Falcons where you have like five guys really, right? Where like Julio Jones really doesn't have any guaranteed money. Like if Atlanta wants to get out of that deal, they can get out of that deal whenever they want. They're really paying a left tackle, a center, a quarterback. The running back really doesn't count. 
um, and then you know cornerback play. The entire Atlanta front seven has about the same dead has about ten percent of uh, dead cap relative to what Matt Ryan just signed on for in terms of guaranteed money. So like basically, it's not necessarily stars and scrubs, but it's like stars and rookie picks. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be able to have like five stars um, or like mid level guys if you're signing quarterback, and that's basically it. Everything else has to be rookie picks that you basically nail on. Yeah. Uh, do we need to talk about the Rams at all? I mean, this team is pretty. I'm I'm just interested to see like if they can get a, or not if they can get around their lack of edge rush, but how they get around their lack of edge rush. Like just watching Donald and Sue and Brockers play because you know obviously when you have Sue and Donald, that's going to be enough. But still, you know, it's got to be a little bit worrisome that they don't have any like real starting caliber edge defenders Dominic Easley is getting reps according to preseason tweets so I'm at, happy for at that defensive end yeah uh, outside linebacker bud mm. do we have any worries that they're like 20 uh what year was it when Philly signed every free agent that there was dream team the dream team. Uh, do we have any fear that do we have any fear that this is the the new version of the dream team not really just because I, I, I think that, like... There's a lot of personality on this team. There is. There is. But, so, who who, who would they sign with the Dream Team? It was Nandi, who was older. It's like Asamoah, Vince Young coming off the bench at quarterback. Yeah. I, uh, they signed another... They traded for uh, Rodgers Cromartie. That's right. Uh, I don't remember. Was that the year that they got Macklin? I don't remember. I don't remember. I, the only thing I remember from that year is Julio Jones just smoking Namdi Askinbuff for a few times in that game. Uh, but it, I, it doesn't really have that feel to me just because you have, like, you, you know your, yeah, def- good. your, your defensive line is going to be fucking nasty. Like, they're you good. know that for a fact. Yeah. Uh, but and I, I think what the Rams just comes down to, like, is Jared Goff actually, you know, good or not? Because, I, I mean, even <laughs> last year, like, it, it was it was weird to watch that Rams offense function because Todd Gurley was like very clearly the most important player on the offense, which is weird because you usually don't have teams that are so efficient in scoring the ball being led by a running back like that, but but they were. And then, you know, Goff just kind of had to come in and be a point guard and maybe throw a deep ball to, to Sammy every once in a while. But then you see once they get to the playoffs versus Atlanta and you, you play a team that has some speed in the back seven – Golf, like he just can't make the throws against the secondary that can recover or have his linebackers that can run like that. So I, I don't know if he if he's like how good he is or not. And the Raiders obviously will not be a good test for him. But you know if he can just come out and get back on the right foot and just have like a a, a nice statistical outing, that that should quell some concerns there. Yeah, I think I actually feel I was. All three of us actually were extremely skeptical about Goff going into last year. and I, I uh, said the Indianapolis Colts defense was the best unit on the field when they opened the season up against the Rams. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that was the worst take I've ever had, I think. Like, I had Kaiser QB1. I had Pax in QB1. I think saying the Colts had the best unit on the field going into the Rams game opening week last year was by far the worst. Because I think who was it? Um, it was the old Packers backup quarterback who was starting for the Colts. I forget his fucking name. Tolzien. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Tolzien. I'm a dumbass, dude. And then they yeah, that's a bad take. They trade for Brissette. Chuck. You oh. should, Chuck. You definitely need to find that one and retweet, like retweet it for everyone. <laughs> no, I've, I've got some awful takes too in the past. So, I'm a, I like, I, I think you know, like if you're on Twitter long enough, like, I, like my worst take ever was back in the 2015 class, and I, I said like, oh, is Daddy Nicholas? Is he gonna be better than Joey Bosa? And no, like, I, I, don't, I, I don't even think Daddy Nicholas is in the league anymore. He like he ended up being like a fifth round pick, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna take the L on this one right now." <laughs> I think I had one saying that uh, Ajayi was just as good as Gurley. Buddy, you were sending me texts last year about that, and you were like, "I wish I didn't delete my Twitter account because I could have retweeted this." <laughs> oh my, my goodness! Yeah. Oh, uh, bad take. No one knows what they're doing. No, we're all just guessing. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about though? Goff, right? Yeah, yeah, we were all really – we were all really – I actually felt better about him as the season – like, I know the playoff game was uh, a big return to earth, and I think a lot of that is just a young dude, like, not being ready for, for how much better and how much faster, the like, the level of speed and performances in the playoffs versus a regular season. Like, it's literally – it's not the same game, the playoffs versus a regular season. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, but his, as far as – His first playoff game as far as, was against the team that was in the Super Bowl. Yeah. As far as his long-term outlook, though, like, okay, well, just for this year specifically, and I know it's almost kind of unfair because the dude is coming off of injury, but I feel better about him this year than I do about Wentz. I think Wentz is actually going to have kind of a rocky road. Quarterbacks off of injuries are a tricky thing, but we've seen this happen with Cam. We've seen this happen with Flacco. Um, I I talked to Waldman about this on his pod because the thing is, is with him coming off of injury, like – a lot of what made Philadelphia so successful last year was him being able to hold on to the ball and improvise. You know what I mean? And when you have a dude coming off of injury, you want to dial it back and get the ball out of his hands quicker and say, okay, we're going, we're going to make you a more mature quarterback and make you a better quarterback in the pre-snap phase, get the ball out of your hands quicker. All, like basically what the Colts are, are theoretically trying to do with Andrew Luck. The thing is, is that, that's still, I mean, that's kind of what Philly tried to do with Wentz in his first year. And it wasn't, I mean, that's just not his style of play. It's not who he is. You know what I mean? So, I mean, even when he comes back, I think going through all of that will probably be beneficial beneficial to him in the long term because it will help his development in terms of the pre-snap phase and everything. But in terms of production this year, I think it's actually going to be kind of ugly. I don't think it's going to match what happened last year. And that's nothing against Wentz. Like, exactly. Honestly, honestly, just head, like just handicapping what, you know, injured quarterbacks who haven't really thrown in the preseason do at the NFL level when, you know, they, they basically aren't healthy until week one or beyond. Like, we have a history of seeing what quarterbacks look like, you know, when they decline like that. So there's nothing against Wentz. I don't think that Wentz is like – Going to regress, he was a fraudulent, no, exactly. like fraudulent I, year, anything like that. It's well, just like think, it's, he's in a tough spot. Yeah, hey, growth growth is a painful growth is a painful process, man. Yeah, yeah. I think I think really the only area that Wentz was due to regress was third downs, just because like I mean I don't know. Yeah, he was just he, crazy. He, there. he was just crazy there. But now like I don't know, coming off the injury, and if he's still not ready to play, like y- you got to taper. Expect ex- expectations just a little bit on him, like like maybe even until twenty nineteen, just because you, you just kind of need a, a year to 
get back in the form a little bit. Yeah, I think that exactly. just goes for every position, really. Here, here's one thing that I'll say. All right, let's look. Let's look up. You realize we're, we're at like two. We're at like two hours now. All right. Last thing. Philadelphia Eagles schedule. Da, 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 da. Eric, do you know how many? What the percent of teams who go zero and two miss the playoffs is? Uh, it's like seventy percent, right? It's ninety-two percent. So we're oh, gonna wow. look up. Yeah, we're gonna look up the schedule real quick. Oh nope, they play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. But I was gonna say, if they lose against Atlanta and they lose the second game and they're zero and two, I feel like we can go all in on Washington making the playoffs. Like that's our green light, right? I already have a lot of money on that, so I'm already. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving the Cincinnati and the Washington bandwagons this year. Right, Chuck, you want to send us off? Yeah, uh, so this was fun. Uh, we, we should definitely do this again before the season's up, or probably a couple times before the season's up. But uh, it's episode A of Send the Edge. Shout out to Eric for uh, coming on with us, and like I said, we'll, we'll have him on again at some point. Uh, we're going to try to get back to doing this every week. I know we have a inconsistent tendencies with that, but uh, we're going to do our best. Five-star review, iTunes rate review. Adios. Happy hunting week one.